If you want to go further and add some fun and versatility into your hunting program, check out Can-Am's Defender. Pretty soon I'm headed to my buddy Doug's, and we're going to be running around in Doug's Can-Am because it's like, it's fun. You can get around quietly, easily, all over his property. It's just versatile. Oh, I love it. To find your next Can-Am or to shop online and get serious about backcountry travel, Visit canamoffroad.com. Turn something that you kind of dread driving around into something you love. Visit canamoffroad.com. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX Off-Road Map and Navigation app is the best fully functional GPS when you're out of service. Offline maps allow you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline, so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. Outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems. Things like hard starts, rough performance, and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup. Seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer. Simply pour a can in your gas tank. Hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season. Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. This is the Meat Eater Podcast coming at you shirtless, severely bug-bitten, and in my case, underwearless. We hunt the Meat Eater Podcast. You can't predict anything. Presented by First Light, creating proven, versatile hunting apparel from merino base layers to technical outerwear for every hunt. First Light, go farther, stay longer. Hey folks, Giannis Patelis from Meat Eater here. I'm going to Nashville, Tennessee here in a couple weeks, and I need your help. I'm going down there to record some turkey stories. I need your help to help me find the best turkey storytellers that you know. Okay, I'm going to be down there every day of the convention, February 16th, 17th, and 18th. We're going to be in door C of Ryman Studio. There's going to be signage there directing you how to get there so you can take your friend, your grandpa, or maybe yourself there to me and record a turkey story with me. Remember, it doesn't necessarily have to be about turkey hunting. It could be about the relationships that we get from turkey hunting, something that happened before a turkey hunt, wherever it might be. I just want to get it recorded. I think this is a great opportunity for us as hunters to record some of our oral history that is such a great part of hunting and uh, get it recorded so we have it forever. Years down the line, we'll be able to look at it and go, hey, remember what it was like back in 2023. So Nashville, Tennessee, February 16th, 17th, and 18th. We have room open for walk-ins. If you want to sign up ahead of time, go to themeateater.com forward slash turkey story sign up and uh, you can get a time slot there so you don't have to try to beat the rush when we're all down there hanging out at the turkey convention thanks in advance holy smokes we got uh, maybe we got a lot to pack in right now we are joined by one one a repeat customer yep a repeat guest quite possibly the most 
repeated guess. No, no. I think no, Heffelfinger no, no. wins that. No, no, I don't even really? think it's Heffelfinger. No, <clears throat> Carmen, how many times have you been on? This is her fourth, yeah. third, fourth. You've been on four times. Oh, maybe twice in does. Seattle and twice here now. Yeah, she's old school, man. When we used to podcast in your garage. Yeah, yeah man. When we used to hang the shipping, uh, those shipping. Do we have the shipping blankets hung up everywhere? <laughs> I don't remember that. I was more distracted by how immaculate your garage was. <laughs> Well, that, ain't, that ain't changed. Man. <laughs> that has not changed. Uh, so Carmen Van Bianchi is back, um, and you get you got a, you have a proposal. You have a pitch. Yeah, I got a pitch today. No, uh, just so I remember. Ugh, just so everyone remembers, Carmen is a recreational hunter, mm-hmm. but a professional wildlife researcher. Yeah, and her pitch to you all: you got to dig deep. This is gonna be like the Jerry Lewis telethon. <laughs> That's dated. Do you know what I'm talking about when I say Jerry Lewis telethon? No. Oh, we do because uh, we're Jerry's kids. <laughs> there's, there's a joke behind that, but yeah. hopefully our no, dad is old joke. To that. Yeah, you got to keep that one in your pocket. Uh, also, join. So we're gonna get to we're gonna get to Carmen's pitch, and you guys got there. Everybody's got to dig deep in their wallets and help her out. And if you happen to uh, own a snowmobile company, you'll want to pay particular attention because the, this wildlife research project needs your assistance. Also joined by uh, probably the preeminent YouTube stars. <laughs> the preeminent YouTubers on YouTube. Like, these are the guys that, that like, that Mr. Beast found his inspiration from. I was just about <laughs> to say Mr. Beast and then. No, no, no. He was like, he was like, I'd like to be like that, but I'm not, uh, I can't trap beavers like that. Yeah. So I'm going to kind of do. people. Oddly exploitative stuff. Exactly. And I don't want to do oddly exploitative stuff where I act like I'm being magnanimous, but I'm kind of a little bit being exploitative. Yeah. Under the guise of charity. <laughs> yes. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, um, you know, you know, I was talking about how a lot of di- like how people that like to hunt are always disappointed in Disney movies, you know, because mm-hmm. there'd be like a hunter in there and he's where he's from the South, you know, he's like ignorant. Thick accent. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, um, and I was saying that that I like to watch Adventure Time with my kids because in Adventure Time their house is full of taxidermy and they sleep under animal skins. Um, and it's just it's very like uh, it's it's got all the they even have like skinned out ducks and stuff that they sleep under, but they sleep under animal hides and I like that show. They kind of did a goof on um, they did a little bit of a goof on that genre of YouTube video where they, they have a large pile of treasure and they take some of their treasure and they go to these, uh, goji berries house and use their money to get these goji berries to do. They go exploit them with their money and the goji berries have a hard time saying no. Oh, they're personified (laughs) animated goji berries. Of course, Corinne. (laughs) I can can explain. I can explain. (laughs) Uh, I'm talking of course about, uh, Chris and Ken Carlson from both. Yeah, the dual like uh, dual channels, both things that are very interesting to me. In the woodyard, which chronicles their uh, wood chopping exploits, and out of the woodyard where they're not in the woodyard. <laughs> You're easily entertained, <laughs> aren't you, dude? Everybody I show it to. Okay, so we have a we have a we have a a person that uh, uh, well, you know, people have seen her because she's been on the show. We have an employee, Tracy, um, who. I'm good. Yeah. I want to say she could give a rat's ass about wood chopping and beaver trapping. Um, 
But she did go and get real into rock picking and picked all the rocks, like would go to uh, a ranch's, like go to a ranch, assuming they didn't want rocks, right? Impeding with the growth of their grass. Sounds like my wife. And she'd pick rocks. <laughs> she picks, en- she p- personally picked enough rocks for a giant chimney and a giant patio and stuff. Cool. So that might, so I can't say that she wouldn't give a rat's ass about it, but I was introduced, I was like, you have to watch these guys. Okay. And she said it was, she said the same thing Corinne said, where it's like, what's the thing where you listen to people play with beads and shit? Oh, ASMR. Uh, ASMR. ASMR yeah. Yep. Auto sensory motor stimulation. Is that mm-hmm. right? Something. Yeah, something. Oh, so something yeah, like you, could, you could you could watch these guys for days. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Like There's... I never thought I would. <laughs> I can't I believe. Would, like, like hours of my life would go. Thank you for down your time. The drain. No, <laughs> watching <laughs> watching people plow, plow snow with the skid steer. I was on the phone. I was like, you have to watch this. And so I was like, you just check it out. Just watch for a second. So she starts watching it. We're on the phone, and pretty soon we realize we like been on the phone together, not saying anything for ten minutes. <laughs> To me, it's like the greatest thing in the world. (laughs) Wow. Oh, I need to correct myself. ASMR is is autonomous sensory meridian response. What did you say it was? Auto sensory motor response. Is that where you get that tingly feeling in your head? Yes. Yeah. You you can get it that way or you can get it by with Corinne's um, pheasant foot. No, it's it's Corinne's pheasant foot head tickler. So you can get it too. It's like slow TV that we've we've talked a little bit mm. about on this show, but it's I think that's it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. The sounds a lot of people like listening to the oh, sounds. Yeah. Um, the dueling chainsaws go over well. Yep. Yeah, stuff like that. The sound of the spud hitting the ice. The splitter, oh, yeah. the splitter. You know when the <laughs> when the wood cracks. You know it's a cool sound. My, yeah, my daughter who wants nothing to do with it. Helped film one day for me, and she said, "That's really interesting. Just listening to the sound of the wood split." <laughs> and she said, "I could listen to that all day." <laughs> Get a lot of that from a lot of people. It's weird. So we're gonna we're gonna dig in. We're gonna do Carmen's big uh, big push, where everybody's gonna dig deep in their pockets. And there's there's something in it for you. I'm talking to the listener. A gesture yeah. toward Carmen, but I'm oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. No, she's yep. gonna lay it out. First, we gotta we gotta get into a couple things. Um, some feedback issues. Someone had an interesting point. I'm not going to spend a ton of time on this because I feel like they're being a little nitpicky. Jesse Griffiths on episode 405 of the podcast. Jesse Griffiths was bitching and moaning about the term dry brine. Um, on the grounds that it was an inaccurate fad term for a process that already had multiple names, including dry rub and pre-seasoning, his words. But also that's like kind of an oxymoron, right? Yeah. It's like He's like, a brine is a liquid. And, right, a brine exactly. is liquid. So he's like, when you're dry brining, why are you not putting a dry rub on it? Why are you not pre-seasoning it? And someone wrote in to say, if you're really going to be, I'm putting words in this individual's mouth, Owen. He says, if you're really going to be like uh, getting down to the gnat's ass on all this stuff, he said that Jesse should consider this. Pre is generally a totally unnecessary prefix. <laughs> when you preheat an oven, you're just heating it. <laughs> if you submit a pre-proposal for a grant, it's a proposal. Pre-seasoning would fall into the same category. You're just seasoning it. That's all. Good point. 
<laughs> Unless, of course, there's more seasoning that happens later. Well, listen, I can that. shoot a thousand holes into what this guy's saying. I don't even agree with this guy. But then guy. it's like you're seasoning, you're seasoning again, and then you're seasoning again. He, listen, I, get I don't agree with him. I don't agree with him at all. We had this conversation today about refried beans. So like, uh, they're fried beans. Mm-hmm. And someone's like, no, because you keep reheating them, and that's like refrying. Like, that's not <laughs> no. what they mean. <laughs> no, they're just fried ones. They're fried beans. So I think that preheating is that you're, it's like a, you're heating it pre-cook. Yeah. Pre-seasoning would be most people, like most of my life, you'd have cooked a steak, then put seasoning on it. But nowadays... You put it on there and let it sit there for an hour to integrate. So you're like, you know, I get, I get, I get where he's coming from, but I just want to share that. Another good bit of feedback. Uh, this guy was just pointing out a thing that's pretty interesting. I recently heard Steve recount a story about a $20,000 squirrel dog. By recently, he means he was listening to an old episode. But I remember what he's talking about. Uh, a squirrel dog sold for $20,000, and we thought that was worth mentioning. Um, he says, it reminded me of an FBI sting operation called Operation, get this, Big Coon Dog. You Google it, and it checks out? Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Operation Big Coon Dog. He says, I used to live in a small coal town called Grundy, Virginia. Grundy is basically two extremely tight valleys with rivers running through it. It'd be them. Due to topography, Grundy floods regularly, and sometimes it's biblical. One of these epic flood events happened about 20 years ago. FEMA came in and declared the area a disaster, and the feds provided millions of dollars for cleanup. Somehow the local politicians got FEMA to allow elected officials to divvy up the money to local contractors for the cleanup. The problem was that the politicians took bribes for the contracts. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's never happened. First time that ever happened. Hey, that, that's a, I was, you know, what's funny about this is that's the thing right now. Um, Zelensky in Ukraine just dismissed a lot of senior officials for playing a similar game with all the aid flooding into Ukraine. Uh, I don't know if they're doing it for coon dogs, but maybe. Possibly. So. Here's how the FBI caught wind of it. A guy that didn't normally win coon hunting tournaments starts winning a lot of coon hunting tournaments. He's a politician. <laughs> He's in a politician. This town. <laughs> and it, he just comes out of the blue all of a sudden. He's got some sweet coon dogs and starts cleaning up on raccoons. Okay. They reported that it was suspicious the timing of him getting these high-test coon dogs. And it wound up that this individual took as a bribe a 40000 bucks in coon dogs. They wound up, the FBI wound up busting him and several other individuals for this graft. Then he goes on to say, Grundy has flooded several times since, and FEMA has denied them relief based on the local government's antics during Operation Big Coon. That doesn't seem fair to the people. Some people did prison time for this. Yeah, well, I don't believe. I don't know that I believe that part. Yeah. Like, I don't think that they would be like, like you'd have a guy commit fraud or commit, you know, take accept a bribe so bad that he goes to jail, and then your town floods again, 
And Fiend was like, not this time. Fool me once. Shame on you. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I believe everything else he says. Wikipedia page says 16 people were convicted of uh, criminal charges. But what's messed up is that some of those people that it said, well, he says in his letter that after they went to prison, they were reelected. Yeah, I believe oh. that. So yeah. the lo- local community <laughs> yeah. wasn't that mad at him. That feels very American. That. <laughs> yeah. that feels American. The bribes feel American. Like, dis- not distinctly American. It feels human. Mm-hmm. FEMA being like, next time you're on your own, buddy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, <sighs> This one's interesting. But I'm not going to get into it. What I'm not going to get into is landowners. We're, we'll cover this more. Can we, can we circle back around yep. to this? Landowners winning a suit about trespassing deer dogs. You can see where this is going. Like guys go hunt with their deer dogs and like a strategy. And this this is always this always if I was a if I was a deer dog hunter, I would be self-policing because this winds up being the number one grievance against people who hunt deer with dogs where it's legal. Is that you're basically the a lot? I'm not saying everybody. It's a common practice to be. Well, I know that I can't run into that guy's property and chase the deer out, but I'll wait on the edge and send my dogs in, <laughs> which is like you know, that's like the number one point of contention about it. They do that with coyotes too. Oh yeah, and my, bears. My yeah. friend Doug talks about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're like, well, I can't go on. I can't go over there. But I mean, why not just we'll stand on the edge and you can't you know? stop your dogs. Yeah. Well, oh, oh, sorry it happened, sir. Yeah. yeah. When legally, you're allowed to go retrieve your dogs once they've gone on to that property. Yeah, that's one of them gray areas. Kind of, kind of, but abused things. Yeah. So, as we'll cover in a later episode, with a lot of detail, um, this the these landowners want a thing saying like, yeah, man, you can't you can't use your dogs to spook to send them in and spook the game off our property. It's kind of like you being there. But we'll cover that later. Carmen, you ready? Sure. Okay. Tell people what's going on. Uh, do you want me to back up a little bit yep, and just talk please. about the project? Okay. Back all the way up. All right. Well, uh, so... Tell what you do for a living. I'm a wildlife biologist. I've been um, working in the field for, I guess, 15 or 20 years almost now. Um, and about a year, a little over a year ago couple colleagues of mine and I started our own uh, wildlife research nonprofit. And one of our, our bigger projects that we're, we're really diving into now is looking at lynx and wildfire in the North Cascades of Washington. So in the North Cascades of Washington, we've got what's an endangered population of lynx. They're listed as threatened elsewhere in the lower 48, but in Washington, they're listed as uh, endangered. And that's in large part because of um, this just blow-up of wildfires that we've had in the past uh, 15 to 20 years. So during that time, because of about 100, 150 years of fire suppression um, in all over in the West, but you know we're focusing on the North Cascades, has allowed a buildup of fuels on the landscape, basically. And what what used to be regulated just by nature with uh, frequent, spotty, really pyrodiverse, meaning burns that um, 
that burn with a lot of texture, so they're they're skipping little places. They're uh, burning really hot in some places. They're reburning some other places. They're burning at a lower intensity in some places, meaning they're leaving behind trees with live crown, but they're consuming understory. So these these more historic fires that would just sort of uh, spot off every summer and break up the landscape were really important for a couple reasons. One, they created this just incredible patchwork of really rich, diverse habitat Mm -hmm. out there uh, in the North Cascades. But they also created a sort of a um, self-feedback loop wherein the the fires that were happening one year were sort of um, dampening the effects of future subsequent fires because they're sort of by fire, creating natural fire breaks on the landscape. Got it. Yep. So you had you had uh, more of a mosaic, exactly. a, a continuous mosaic of of fire activity, rather than like whap. Exactly. Yes, that's the perfect noise to describe it. So, so keep that in mind. That's the historic fire regime that we used to have. That's also the historic landscape. This patchy mosaic that links in the North Cascades uh, evolved in. Yep. Okay. So fast forward in time, now we've got 150 years of fire suppression. So putting out all those fires that would have naturally started from lightning and things every summer. And, you know, doing it with good intention, we're trying to save the forest, this sort of thing. That allowed our forest to basically um, even out into a monocrop of, of trees. And, it, and we lost that um, not only diversity, um, that mosaic of habitats, but we lost that self-feedback loop. So all of a sudden, it's a continuous swath of tinder ready to go. And so that landscape of um, high fuels and continuous fuels then meets hotter, drier, longer summers. And in the early 2000s, we start to have what we're calling megafires, <laughs> which are fires that burn over 100,000 acres. Um, and we've had fires that are much bigger than that. And they're just ripping through those forests. Um, cooking it right down to the dirt. Cooking it down to the dirt. with So trending towards um, less pyrodiversity, so higher severity overall. And so they're leaving behind these giant burn scars of um, highly high-severity burn. So we're losing not only texture because we're not just getting these smaller spotty fires all over, but we're losing texture because the, the these giant fires that are coming through are doing so in a just more evenly high severity. We're losing those little fire skips. We're lo- losing the sort of um, just the richness of a, of a patchwork that would be left behind. Got it. And so where links come into this is that in the, in the early 2000s, when we were starting to learn about lynx habitat, which, just as a little sidebar, is, in a nutshell, lynx eat snowshoe hares, primarily. That's most of their diet. Snowshoe hares uh, live in forests that have a high stem density. And what I mean by that is they're, they're living in uh, thick forests with stems, branches that are low to the ground, offering them food, and shelter from, from predators. Fresh growth. Yeah, fresh growth or, or old growth where you've got that sort of multi-layered forest and big branches that, that reach down to the ground. 
So when we start uh, learning about lynx habitat in the early 2000s, we're doing so against this backdrop of what's been a really fire-excluded landscape for 100, 150 years. And so the, the um, palette of, of, lynx, of habitat that lynx have to choose from is mostly unburned, a couple little burns here and there. Now, fast forward, you know, 15 years, and we've had these, these megafires torching hundreds of thousands of acres a year. And all of a sudden, most of our, or, or a lot of our lynx habitat, most of our prime lynx habitat is mostly burned, very little unburned. And so we needed to know yesterday, in my opinion, how lynx are reacting to this completely different menu of, of habitats out there. Um, in 2016, that's when they were uplisted to endangered in the state because of these fires, because sort of the, the rule of thumb is that recent large burns aren't hare habitat, aren't lynx habitat. Um, and so with the uptick in these fires, naturally, there's a lot of concern. Yeah. Um, so our research is going to start uh, picking apart and learning the ins and outs of how they're using this this new really burned landscape. And they are using that. And we know that because we're the field biologists and we've been out there for long enough to see a change in the landscape, in regenerating burns, seeing the links go, seeing them come back, and starting to notice patterns of, um, okay, within, say, this, you know, 15-year-old burn scar, there are places that they're starting to be able to use. Places meaning, um, uh, well, different different types of regenerating burned habitat, because it's regenerating uh, with some texture that we would hope to see, like fire skips and places where whatever the growing conditions are, allow thicker trees to be coming up. Um, and that's really exciting to see. I, I was out there, I guess, six years ago now in the winter, snowmobiling, just surveying for, for tracks with another local biologist. And we saw very few snowshoe hare tracks and no lynx tracks. Well, last year, well, let's see, a couple years ago, I started to notice more lynx tracks in this burn scar. Last year, we went out five times just to do some pilot work, and we marked, I think, 57 sets of lynx tracks within that same burn that years ago only had zero. <laughs> oh, that's crazy. So yeah. I'm that, not that that's 57 lynx, yeah, no, I'm but with that's, you. A, that's yeah. a lot of activity. And including, we saw um, tracks from, you know, a female with kittens, females with kittens. A new McDonald's which, was set up and people came to eat. Exactly. Yeah, the grocery store is coming back. Yeah. And oh. so that's really exciting. And it tells me that we have this opportunity, this really golden opportunity to learn what burned habitats links can use. And that is important for conservation because if we know the best of the burned habitats that they can use and the sort of the arrangement of those habitats, we can start getting in there to do forest treatments that will reinstate that historic patchwork reinstate that negative feedback loop and try to get wrangle in these these uh, mega fires, which is a win-win for lynx because uh, we're if we know what the best of the burnt habitats they're using are, we can craft these forest treatment plans to not only be um, reducing fuels but also, you know, leaving the right arrangements and amounts of burnt habitat for lynx that are there today, and we're we're saving habitat so that moving forward, 
we're we're uh, lessening the risk of these huge mega fires coming in. Got it. So I imagine is, that links aren't the only critters that benefit. That's right. That's yeah. That's one of the things that really interests me in this uh, research is that this isn't links tell a really good story. They tell a story for a lot of the other um, animals that live on that landscape, and they tell the story of uh, our local fire ecology. Um, but this is more than just, you know, trying to save our, our lynx habitat and thus our lynx population, which that's important, but it's also just about reining in these, these megafires to the benefit of the landscape, to the benefit of, you know, our community, which has just been, you know, breathing pea soup for smoke in the summers. And yeah. so it's, um, it's more than just trying to um, get a handle on lynx conservation, although that's, that's very important. It's also just about restoring um, a more balanced fire ecology to our area. Okay. Yeah. So that that's is good the background. research. Yeah. You can go further with K&M. I'm telling you, man, I don't care if you're hunting on a farm, hunting on a ranch, hunting out on public, cruising up and down the beach down in Baja, out in the desert in Sonora where we hunt coos deer. Riding in a K&M is just funner than riding a vehicle. Everything about it's better. And you can check these two models out, the Defender. This is the undefeatable workhorse from K&M. Because like you, it never quits in the face of the toughest work. And it's got HVAC, which keeps you protected from the elements and you can enjoy the perfect temperature when it's freezing cold or real hot. Heavy-duty Rotax engine with a class-leading 69 pound-feet of torque. And check this out. Up to 2,500 pounds towing capacity. The Outlander 500 or 700. This is an all-capable workhorse. Nothing you can't overcome. HD5, HD7 engines that power through any job. Engineered with the strength, features, and build to never let you down. So you're getting reliability and a quality build ready for any job with 125 accessory options. To find your next Can-Am or to shop online, visit canamoffroad.com slash hunting. Hey everybody, I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who over recent months... I've become friends with, and my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them, and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp phenomenal hunting knives if you want to see them in action we just did uh me and uh john hayes the taxidermist just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear um watch that video and in that video you'll see montana knife company knives in action mkc products usually sell out in minutes of being released which is true but now for the first time they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company. Working knives for working people. 10% off 
with the code Meat Eater. That's a good deal. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX Off-Road Map and Navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional GPS when you're out of service. And as we all know, that being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. To do all that research <laughs> takes a lot, and, and it takes a lot of dedicated field uh, work, and um, that means time every day during our winter field seasons and our summer field seasons out in the backcountry um, collecting data so that we can, you know, in a, in a scientific framework, learn about their habitat selection. And so our two main data streams are, one, we're romping around on snowmobiles in the backcountry in the winter, deep snow environments, um, looking for tracks. When we find tracks from lynx, we jump off our sleds put on our snowshoes, and we start following them. And we're documenting not only uh, their behavior, uh, whether they're hunting um, or making a kill, a snowshoe hare kill, but we're also documenting their, uh, the habitats that they're selecting. Because you guys know cats from, from hunting and trapping. They're making a really fine-scale selection. You might see them um, opt to go, you know, between two trees rather than around them, you know, two little, they, they like those little covery spots. And so they're making these really fine scale habitat selection uh, choices as they're moving around to optimize their chance of finding food. And so we can, by backtracking them, document that really fine scale habitat selection um, and start learning like, okay, they like a little fire skip and they like that fire skip, especially if it's surrounded by you know, low intensity burn and along a, you know, a stream corridor. Do you guys always backtrack and not forward track? We backtrack because... You don't want to bump them? Exactly. We don't want to be influencing their behavior oh, because they good don't... Good question. I was wondering about that. Yeah. They don't move all that far during the day. Estimates range <clears throat> from like, you know, one to maybe eight kilometers a day. So it's, it's, if you're on a fresh track, you could easily, you know be bumping them spook so we them always out, go spook them out of where he wants to be yeah exactly And when you find one day where they've killed a snowshoe hare is it just a little bit of blood on the snow it's typically maybe a little bit of blood a piece of the hide from their back and you can often see like um the uh, hemorrhaging around the puncture wounds there um and then maybe a foot and some guts they don't like the guts oh no i mean have you ever seen like a house cat and they'll bring in um guts in the head of a you know mouse or whatever They'll eat the head, though. They'll eat the head. Yeah, leave yep. the guts. Yeah. That's what I'd do. Nobody wants that, like, chewed up <clears throat> twigs. 
Yeah, I got you. <laughs> yeah. So stomach contents. Stomach contents. That's yeah. That's but they'll eat the lungs and heart. Oh yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's yeah. the only thing left on a. And uh, you know, I used to feed the dogs uh, beaver. The only thing they don't eat is the contents of the guts. They'll even eat the gut if they get really yeah. hungry. But just that ball of chewed up sawdust, they don't yeah, want that. Yeah. yeah. But they'll eat everything else. Yeah, and cats are pretty particular about that. If you go to a cougar kill or a bobcat kill, one of the first things they'll often do is pluck that, um, you know, the rumen contents, the rumen out, and sort of set that aside. They don't, ugh, they don't want that. Do they go after internal organs right away? That's one of the first things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, liver. Yeah, liver, the the heart, all of that, yep. and that's that's a really nutritious. And so you can actually sort of age. Um, well, if you're doing like a kill site investigation, you can tell what I I don't I don't think there's any official name for it, but I call it an early carcass scat. And so it's the shit basically like yeah, yeah. from their first feeding, and when they're eating just pure organs and just a little and, and muscle, um, their scat is like black, black and tarry and mm-hmm. um, anyway, so you can tell. That was an early carcass scat. So mm. if I'm going to a kill site for work and I see an early carcass scat, I start to get excited because it means there might be a kill there. So and then a late carcass, I'm guessing, would be a lot more fur, skin. a lot more hair, a lot mm. more just bone fragments. Yep, mm. exactly. And with wolves, it's pretty cool because the um, the breeder male and female they'll get pick of the carcass, and so they're the ones eating those organs. And so you can somewhat tell if it's an early carcass scat. You you've got a pretty good idea that. If the whole pack was there, that that was probably one of the the breeders. Hmm. Just a little tracking info. That's great. So hit me with the second data stream. Okay, the second data stream is catching them. Catching them. That's right. (laughs) Yep. So, um, so the backtracking is really great. Um, Fine scale habitat selection. You're learning cool things about your uh, animal and their behavior. I think it's just a great way for biologists to stay grounded in what's happening out there in the field. You're le- learning your animal. You're seeing patterns. Um, I just, yeah, I, I believe in it from from that stance as well as it just being great data. But it's super labor-intensive data. Um, and so you, you're only gathering so much of it. So a wonderful way to complement that is with GPS collar data. That's, that's going to give us, you know, Provided we can catch cats, that's going to give us tons of data and be sort of the meat and potatoes um, of a lot of our analysis. You can tell what they're doing in the summertime. Exactly. Yeah. And you're just getting thousands of data points. And the way we've got our, our callers uh, programmed is that they'll be taking uh, location every 30 minutes. So it itse- in itself is pretty fine scale data as well. We're, we're going to be able to learn a lot. Um, and so getting callers out, of course, means trapping cats. And so um, that's, that's one of my favorite things to do is, is trapping. Um, so I'm pretty excited to, to start doing that, which we'll be opening traps in a couple of days here. We're just waiting for our callers to arrive. But you guys need your nonprofit. Mm-hmm. You guys need snowmobiles. Yep. You need traps. We've got traps. We... You're so, going to utilize, okay, uh, you, you explain it. Okay. So all this work that I'm talking about, uh, the backtracking and the trapping, takes place in winter. 
And so for us to get out there, we're, we're, Lynx country is where, where we are. It's high in elevation. It's pretty rugged. In fact, there's areas of Lynx country where we are that's, or it's, it's wilderness. We can't even get there uh, in the winter. And so it's, it's tough to access. It's just tough to be out there. And so really the crux and the weakest link of our research and getting it done is our snowmobiles. We have no way of collecting any of this data without snowmobiles. We've got you're, a, you're riding some old ass machines right we are now. We're riding some <laughs> old ass machines. And I am so grateful for these machines. We've had four machines donated to us, and that is awesome, and that's made it possible. Um, three of those machines are about 25 years old. And so, with us riding those every single day, and, um, you know, probably have more people on the sled than the sled would like, we're towing trailers, this sort of thing. Um, they have a rough life on top of the 25 years they've already lived. And so... Um, we got people that age that work here and they're useless. <laughs> <laughs> That's a low That was a joke. Word. I didn't mean that. <laughs> I, I think he did. It's not even actually true. I saw it was a funny joke. He's backing up now. <laughs> I tried to buy that one back. I was uh, joking. <laughs> He's going to have a little chat with Phil later. <laughs> so, uh, Phil, remember that thing about the young people I said? Uh, I was, I'm joking. I'm joking. So the great machines. You just, they're the, great machines. You, you just so hit the grateful. you hit the limit. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to last us, and and even one of them breaking down just puts a huge you know, crank in our day. We can't get people out there, and um, so we are trying to hustle really hard to raise some money to be able to buy one or two um, used used. But hopefully not 25-year-old uh, machines. Hope, we're hoping we can find something in the 10 to 15-year-old range. So where you break down out in the middle of nowhere, someone could literally save your life by getting you a sled. Ooh, I like that, man. Mm. Yeah, let's put it that way. Go. I like that. Marker, man. Oh, yes, yeah. yes. Save our lives. <laughs> Donate. <laughs> I almost yeah. died. Unless you want Carmen to die. <laughs> yep. <laughs> a snowy death. Got her party. And yeah. never hear her again on the podcast. <laughs> no, I my the crew that we've got this year is um an incredible group. They have got a lot of skill. They know what to do if they break out or if they break down um out there, which is either well, okay, we've got in reaches. <laughs> so they can contact uh, cut that part out. <laughs> yeah. It needs to seem very desperate. Yes. <laughs> Stranded. Here's, here's what it can mean. Uh if your inReach isn't working, it could mean that you're, you know, 30 miles out in the backcountry in freezing, snowy weather. Donner party. Donner yeah, party. But you're eating your work partner your and mm-hmm. yes. eventually yes. Horrible HR issues. Yeah. Yeah. I don't even want to think about that. So anyway, the, the point is, is that this is, I've got great people. We've got great um, opportunities for for gathering this data, but it all comes back to the snowmobiles. Okay. Yeah. So lay out how people can be of help. This, right. this is where things get interesting. Yeah. So here's what we've schemed up. Um, so like I said, we're trying to raise money to get snowmobiles so we can do this work. And our plan is um, a campaign we're calling Trap a Cat. And if folks donate a hundred bucks, they're basically sponsoring a trap set. So we have, um, we've got 30 traps that we've built, and we've got another 12 that we're borrowing from another project. So we've got 42 traps. And the thing you got to keep in mind is that these traps um, will be continuously resetting. 
um, rearranging. And every time you do that, it's a different set. And so if, if um, folks donate 100 bucks, you get one of those sets basically in your name. And how long is a set going to, how long are you going to leave a set out? It depends. If it's a good set that we like, could be out there all season, which our season's running now through March. Or so you could it, have a months-long set. Yeah, you could have a months-long set. Or you make a set, and then all of a sudden some skier or something's dicking with it, and you got to move it, and then that set's over. Yeah, or a skunk yeah. is triggering it every day, or yeah. a gray jay, or whatever, or we just decide we don't like it for whatever reason, then we'll we'll move it. And so then it becomes a new set. It's got just it. like trapping. Yep. Same thing. Yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, trapping. that's what we're trapping. doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You got a dead one, you move it. Yeah, you know, exactly. You exactly. start catching possums, you move it. <laughs> yep. So, um, so we could have countless numbers of sets this season. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, if you donate, first of all, we'll be sending out um, season updates and just pictures and footage of what we're doing out there, so you'll get access to that. And then, if your set catches a lynx, then you win. You are a winner. You're entered a winner. You win. No, you win. That's a winning moment for you. So and so, do they get the name to cat? <laughs> we thought about that. Um, well, this podcast has talked about naming animals quite a bit, <laughs> and we decided to just avoid that. Uh-huh. I, I, yeah. So we're You're not gonna give it some number. Well, I mean, it, it'll get an ear tag, yeah. and so official. It'll have sort of its official ear tag number. Yeah. Uh. You know, often internally we'll have names for cats just because who's going to remember the number? And yep. so if you've got the one, anyway, it just makes it simpler yep. to, to have a name. But the winner is not getting naming privileges. No, you <laughs> don't get What is the winner getting? <laughs> the winner is going to get fame and glory. Okay. Um, so we'll, we'll announce you as a winner. And Steve has also offered to announce the winner on his social media. I will announce the winner on my social media. And how many winners might there be? How many cats are you trying to get? Well, we've got, so in our, I don't know how many cats we've got in our study area, but here's the thing about research trapping and especially for an endangered species. There's not that many out there and it makes the trapping really, really tough. Um, It's one thing to be, you know, trapping lynx in the core of their range and at a population peak where you've got multiple cats passing your traps and doing so very often, that gives you a lot of opportunities. We might have an opportunity once a week, once every two weeks, just because there's the, the density of cats is so low. There's not that many there. So fill, but fill in this for me. Yeah. I, Carmen Van Bianchi would be disappointed. Yeah. If I got collars on less than. On less this year. If we got less than one, I would be disappointed. I'll be happy if we catch one. I'll be ecstatic if we catch four. Okay, that was the second wow. one. I think I was going to have you like, and I would be surprised if we got more than four. Four, yeah. Okay. I we that it's is just, some it's low density. density. Low density. Very, You're going to be working your asses off. Yeah. With the goal of getting a collar on maybe one to four. Yeah. One if one you'd be you'd count yourself like good to get one. Four yeah. would be great. Four would be great. We've got um multiple years of this project. And as a as the first year, it's always more, you know, just you're figuring out logistics, you're you know, you always learn a lot in your in your first year. Yep. Um but just to give you an idea, I've 
I've links trapped in the North Cascades before. It took us two seasons to catch five cats, Got five it. unique links. Whereas I've trapped in, in Maine, and we caught, I think, 11 new captures in, t- in two months. Got so, it. so much of that just depends yeah. on, your, on your density. So this is rough trapping. It is a slog. And you're going to use the money. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> go ahead, Yanni. Well, I just got to float it out there. There's trapping. But there's another way to catch cats. Hounds. Yeah. yeah. Why, don't you have a, why don't you have Yanni hound dog them? Yeah. That um, could be, well, a couple things. We know how to trap. We, um, I don't know of any local hound hunters. That I could give you a lot of reasons links. why you don't want to do this. There's also <laughs> links are because you're gonna have. What if the dogs mix it up with the links? Mm-hmm. The links exactly. they don't. They're not as uh, my understanding, and I've never chased links with a dog, but I've heard from people they don't want to go into the tree. Well, and we're in a burned area, remember? <laughs> so there's not a whole lot of trees that a lynx yeah, so could get. Mingus it. all of a sudden becomes the. You know, he makes like the FBI's most wanted list Lunch. for having killed some links. Yeah, it's just, we've got a very high bar for for what we're willing to put this endangered species yeah. through. We need Good idea keep, though, Yanni. Yeah, and, and it's been floated. It's, you know, but it's just... Um, well, yeah. just looking at, you know, versus putting out 42 traps, Time. if you cut a track... And mm. you put dogs on that one track, it and seems they like it. The, the <laughs> <laughs> stressed That's it. the thing. No, but you're right. I mean, it would be more efficient. Yeah. Yep. Keep it in mind. Yep. Keep it in your, Yanni will come out. Nobody raising money to send Yanni out there. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> but you're you're going to use the money from the program. Mm-hmm. You're going to use the sponsorship money yep. to take care of the snowmobile problem. Exactly. So someone could either just take care of the snowmobile problem and then you can use the money for something else. But, but, so do that. But the other thing is you got to do the sponsorship. Now, let me tell you what I'm going to do. Okay. I'm going to do a, I'm going to sponsor a set okay. for each of my three children. All right. Okay. That's a good way. To, that's a good thing to do for people that have children. I'm yep. going to sponsor a set for each of my three children, but how will they know when their set's been made mm-hmm. and how will they know what happened? Yeah. Good question. So we'll send a picture of the set. We'll send you a picture of your set and then we'll also, cause we'll have your email. Yep. Um, and then, like I said, we'll be sending updates, like if you're getting bycatch, that sort of thing, um, and just, you know, videos and just footage of us out there being trappers. And you have the capacity to do all this additional reporting and work? <laughs> Barely. But, mm. I mean, it's all, everything that we're doing, we are running ragged. We're just, yeah. How many, you got volunteers? So we've got, let's see, so there's three of us uh, staff for Home Range Wildlife Research, that's our, our nonprofit. I've hired two field bios, and then we have some really great local trackers that are volunteering to help us with the backtracking portion. Yeah. Oh. Do you, are you looking for more volunteers, or is that you filled up? We're filled up. It also takes quite a bit of training. So we did a big training all at once uh, a couple weeks ago. Um, so for this season, yeah, we're, we need people to just be ready to go, so... So how do people go sponsor the trap? Is this going on right? Like you're ready to roll right now. So we're opening traps on Friday. That's the day our callers are supposed to get there. So right now there's a couple of folks out in the field getting traps out there. Um, my strategy was let's get traps out there and in place, no bait, no eye catch. Um, in fact, I'm sort of hoping they're not going to be noticed until we open them. 
I don't want to lose much of the element of surprise. Opening but I, meaning you're going to set them. We're going to open the doors. We're going to bait them. We're going to put out feathers. and. Yeah, you bait them with snowshoe hair? No, we're just using roadkill deer. Okay. Yeah, and then some lures, some beaver caster and things like that. Got it. Uh, yeah. But how do people go do it? Website. Yeah. yeah, we've got a landing page. You do? Yep. So it's homerange.org. Uh, homerange.org. Yep, slash trap a cat. And you're ready to take business. We're ready as, yeah, when this drops, we will be. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'll do three of them. Awesome. Thanks, Steve. But listeners need to jump in and just send them some, uh, just send them some snowmobiles, man. Yeah. Is there a way too that, uh, let's just say you don't, you're not even interested in setting a set, uh, that you can just, can you just go to the landing page and just send a hundred bucks? Yeah. Or that, that's sure. an option there. Yeah. I mean, we've got donate buttons uh, on our that. website. No, it's not Steve Renell. Mm-hmm. You're a trapper. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm a trapper, not a giver. <laughs> I want my set. Um, but this is all to solve the snowmobile problem. Yep, exactly. I feel like some. I feel like there's such a good chance that some snowmobile outfit is gonna is gonna help you out. I mean, that would be incredible. What's that the, would what's be the dream machine. The dream machine, Giannis and I were just talking about, is a. There you go. Well, did, 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 cut that out, Phil. <laughs> Listen, like the for dream real this time? For real. Any okay. machine. You can leave in us talking about cutting it. Yeah, that's a good to answer. Make it, the dream machine is any machine. The, yeah. Leave us talking about how we cut it, but beep out what she said because yes. she is, it's like, don't do that, man. Yeah, I'm, I'm not going to well, turn down an Arctic cat right. or a Right. Or, right. Yeah, cut all that. True. Beep all that out. Yeah, beep the words out. <laughs> Listen, d- beggars can't be choosers. Here. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. You need snowmobiles. Yeah. If someone gives Carmen the snowmobiles, mm-hmm. I will the same way I was. I'm going to announce the winners. If someone gives Carmen, it's not someone gives Home Range, yeah, snowmobiles, then I'll do the. We'll do the social media post thanking them for the snowmobile. There we go. Yeah. Okay. Leverage. Good. Tell Thank the you. website again. Uh, Homerange.org/slash/trapacat and dashes trap dash a uh, dash. Home range. Home range. Like an animal's home range. Yep. Dot yep. org. Yep. Slash trap dash a dash cat. Yep. Not links. Nope. Doesn't have the same Is it too late to adjust it? I don't know. Probably not think. now. Listen, <laughs> let's not complicate things unnecessarily. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I hope people dig in and help. Yeah. I, and I will be announcing the winners. Yeah. Oh, you know what we'll do? Can I can I sweeten the pot? Please. We'll send um we'll send a Yeah, I'm trying to think what we'll do. We'll send a great first light kit to the winners. Ooh. I'll buy one. Oh. I'm gonna need to buy a set. So we'll so like, if you if my set traps a lynx, we'll send then like I a great a cold, kit. We'll send a great cold weather accessory. We'll send like cold weather, like heavy duty down right because it's winter time mm-hmm. we'll send a, a cold weather kit like bibs jacket super hat mitts that's better than the lottery oh man to, yeah. so i'll announce it and then we'll send a cold weather kit to winners that's amazing you're yeah gonna make, you're gonna make me get my wallet on <laughs> <laughs> All right, good? Yeah, thank you. And and to anybody that does donate, thank you. This is... Yeah. Well, we'll stay on it, man. We're going to get it. I, I think, I hope we can get this taken care of. Thank you. 
That'd be great. Um, and then well, I got one last question for you. Mm-hmm. The collars, how long do they work for? Well, that's the thing with collars is it's always uh, you're trying to balance the, the battery life, the weight of the collar, uh-huh. and your data collection. So the more intensive the data collection, the faster the battery you're goes. You're burning it out. Yeah. Uh-huh. So we've, we've um, rigged it up so that every other month they're collecting this 30-minute data every three days. And by doing that, we've made it so that our collars will last around the call- calendar year from when the uh, collar was placed. So you get a year. Yeah. And does that thing fall off in the end? So there's a couple different mechanisms you can use, but yes, it does. We want it to fall off because we don't want to saddle a lynx with, you know, a collar for the rest of its life. Can you life. go find it? Yeah. It's got a little death signal yep. or whatever. Yep. It's got a, a death signal. We call it a mortality signal, but yeah. So <laughs> if the cat dies... Well, no, we can go out there and investigate what happens. Man, that would be a, that would be a great giveaway item if you want to dig real into this. Is picture this: that uh, you get a you get a mortality signal mm-hmm. that someone can come along with you to go find out what happened <laughs> to the thing, or just get the collar. Yeah, th- those are always fascinating field. Oh, trips. I would be so excited if I woke up one day and we were going to check on a mortality signal on a Lynx. I'd be very excited. What kind of price are we talking on a collar? It's got to be not free. No. No. Um, when it's all done, well, so the, so the, let me just explain how they fall off because that affects the price. But basically you can get a, um, a cotton spacer that will eventually just sort of rot off. Um, and that, anyway, there's, so that's one option. Uh, and then you could also get a collar with a blow-off device. And so that's a programmable uh, little piece of equipment. Like that a little on, explosion. Exactly. A tiny Kill, explosion. Kills the cat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the first thing I and thought. Of. Right in the juggler, man. <laughs> <laughs> we got him. <laughs> no, yeah, it just makes the bolt separate. And so the collar falls off. So that's, that's nice because you know when it's going to happen. You can plan for it. You know it's huh. not going to happen too cool. early. Uh, before your data collection is done. I'm that's sure that's the expensive option. Collar. That's the expensive option. Yeah. So if you're getting a drop off, um, about, oh, I want to say like 1600 So people could buy those for you too, couldn't they? Yeah. Oh man, the more collar. So we only have four collars oh, right geez. now. So that's why I'd be really happy if we got four. So if you get so like we'll be... seven cats, you're going to go, well, now what? Oh man, <laughs> if some miracle happened and, you know, in three weeks we've almost, you know, caught two or three or something, I'm going to be... Pretty disappointed we don't have more, but we had, yeah. some, we had some miracle days on the line last year. That's what that I'm hoping happens. for. That's what I'm hoping for. And I also just need to point out uh, that we're really grateful to our grantors, the Paul G. Allen Family Foundation. Well, well, thanks for coming on and explaining it. Thanks for having me. This is um, yeah. It's I told you, man, you can come on anytime you want. <laughs> talk about what? <laughs> talk about your needs and wants. Yeah. <laughs> it's great to have you. You can go further with Can-Am. I'm telling you, man, I don't care if you're hunting on a farm, hunting on a ranch, hunting out on public, cruising up and down the beach down in Baja, out in the desert in Sonora where we hunt coos deer. Riding a Can-Am is just funner than riding a vehicle. Everything about it's better. And you can check these two models out, the Defender. This is the undefeatable workhorse from Can-Am. Because like you, it never quits in the face of the toughest work. And it's got HVAC, which keeps you protected from the elements and you can enjoy the perfect temperature when it's freezing cold or real hot. Heavy-duty Rotax engine with a class-leading 69 pound-feet of torque. And check this out. Up to 2,500 pounds towing capacity. 
The Outlander 500 or 700. This is an all-capable workhorse. Nothing you can't overcome. HD5, HD7 engines that power through any job. Engineered with the strength, features, and build to never let you down. So you're getting reliability and a quality build ready for any job with 125 accessory options. To find your next Can-Am or to shop online, visit canamoffroad.com slash hunting. Hey, everybody. I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who over recent months I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, Watch that video. And in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER and you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company, working knives for working people, 10% off with the code MEATEATER. That's a good deal. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX Off-Road Map and Navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping and to use fully functional GPS when you're out of service. And as we all know, that being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline, so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. I've been using OnX for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without OnX. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. All right, you guys ready to dig in? Out of the wood yard, in the wood yard? Let her happen. In the wood yard was the start. Yeah. Hold on, hold on. I got got a pre-question here. Okay. <laughs> Take it away. You, you get that? Well, Did well, you get I, that one? You're gonna season Come me on. You didn't even giggle at me or smirk. Oh, was there I a said, joke? Pre question. Oh, oh, that was I have good. a pre question. That. that was so damn long ago. Pre, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, how did you find out about yeah. in the wood yard? A beaver trapper. So you have an emerging threat. 
<laughs> to your whole enterprise. Competition? Listen, I'm going to tell you the dude's name. We his will bury not, him. I'm tell you his last name. <laughs> He's even pitched to me. He's even pitched to me. Guy named Jared. I can tell you his last name. He's in your state. No, he's not. <clears throat> or is he? It's confusing because he works in one and lives in the other. Either way, his name's Jared. He turned me on to you guys a long time ago, a year ago. Um, and he was recently pitching me on how he is going up to work your area. Oh, <laughs> he doesn't man. stand a chance. Oh, I thought it was just mm. like in the YouTube realm competition, no, but no, he's no, actually he's going to their No, turf. he's not into that scene. I told Chris, I said, you know, you just showed the guardrail, you showed the sign. I said, everybody mm. knows this spot. You know, like, come on. <laughs> you got to be a little more where you point that camera. It, it, it is <laughs> I, got, I got people I know that live within a mile of me that they know half of the spots that we go. These, I, you were here and you were there and you'd made that set. And I'm like, yeah, yeah. He's not like, I, I, I think it's fair to, it's, I think it's safe to say, and I haven't really explored this fully with him. I think it's safe to say that he, he was kind of throwing it to me like coincidentally, it's where the guys that he turned me on to go. But uh, that, that's how I found out about you guys. That, that's what you wanted to ask? Yeah. Pre-question? So he turned me on, and I and I I wasn't even aware of. I was wondering why the hell it's called out of the woodyard because I didn't know about in the woodyard. Yeah, I just basically separated them because whenever I would do wildlife things on my woodyard channel, YouTube didn't know what to do with it because it's not firewood, it's not chainsaws, it's not the same thing. It's not the same audience. You lose se. sponsorship. You lose, well, not that. What happens is, I would have a video say it gets thirty thousand views in the first twenty four hours on wood something firewood related, whatever it is. The next day I would have a hunting or trapping or fishing and my views go right down to 12, 15, 17,000 because yep. YouTube doesn't know who to show it to. So your, uh, your base 17,000, whatever you're getting is your true believers, the Kool-Aid drinkers. They're going to watch anything Kool -Aid you do. Kool-Aid drinkers also. That's what I call them, yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll watch anything you do. And by, by basically separating it, my numbers stay more consistent. And YouTube knows my audience and knows wh what to do with it. And there's so, a bigger audience for wood chopping. No, it's the audience I've developed. Yeah. So they yeah, know I, that audience. Yeah. So yeah, there's there's way more people that do firewood than trap. Oh yeah. Oh. Sure. And then especially when you narrow it down to beaver trapping, which yeah. is even a smaller group. Yeah. yeah niching you know. down your content is is the way to success on YouTube or most social media, I think. Hmm. If you really want to do really well. And if you generalize, you know, you, there's going to be things that a lot of people won't be interested in. So walk me through the, give me the background on the wood chopping. Well, I got into the, I, I was in the wood chopping yeah. business for a while. <laughs> so it's, I, I, it's a living kind of sort of. Yeah. But how, how'd you guys get into it? We've always, we grew up heating with wood. We've been cutting Seven wood. years old since we could swing a mall. I think we couldn't even swing the mall. And our dad was a railroad worker. He was an engineer. He, and could, spike, on, he so. could spike railroad spikes. Yeah. I mean, actually, the first mall we had, he had a railroad. I don't know if you know so what a railroad. the head is like that big. And it, it's, it's a big, that, long head for driving railroad spikes, and it's only that big. And it's about really, an inch and a half. That's a hard thing to master. Why is it? I don't, I don't know it, this. He got it free from work, so he, so he they was would too drive cheap to railroad buy spikes with a long, skinny mall? No, no, yes, no, yes. Railroad the spikes. Mall is a, well, railroad spikes or whatever kind of wedge he could find that they was were, still in one piece. You know, because you got to realize you're driving that spike in the next to that track. 
You don't want to hit the track because. Oh, that's why you don't. The want head's to... got to be just a little bit tiny, bigger than the. And if you can hit with that, you can hit. If anything. you can hit, yeah. If you can, yeah. If you can master that, you can hit. Because it weighs, it's probably a ten pound head. Right? Yeah, it was. It was. And it we was were seven sucked. years old, and Dad said, "Split the elm," and which is Satan would. Because elm doesn't would, doesn't yeah. split. It's, it's like splitting cable. Yeah, we grew up on the worst <laughs> of the worst, man. It was elm brutal. Elm. Satan yeah, would. all the all the. All the Elm was dying from Dutch Elm back in them days, back in the early 70s. Sure, yeah. You know, so we're 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years, whatever, you pick a year, but pretty much free wood. Elm. Free, because it was free, because you're cutting it down, because that tree's dying, we're cutting it. It's the worst, twisted, nasty, nasty. Crap. There's nothing that we have that even comes close to being that miserable. Do you, mean, do you, would you agree that the finest splitting wood ever made by, uh, ever made by God is uh, beach? Yeah, it splits good. There's um, a lot of good I, my, It we, just makes you feel like a man. It makes you feel like such a pro, dude. Well, I'll tell you, it what, looks like if, planks of lumber. If you want to, yeah. well, same thing goes for it's like clear. if you want to split some really gravy. It's like veneer red oak in the wintertime. That's gravy splitting. Oh yeah. god, yeah. yeah. It's, it's it's water dense, so in the wintertime you get below zero, if, and if it's clear, it just pops. No, it just pop just explodes. What, hold on, you guys are saying a lot of terms that <laughs> I'm not familiar with, so I'm sure most of the listeners are. I've heard clear, I, uh, you no, describing clear wood. Is, clear is not free. Clear is no knots. No knots. So it's, oh, it's not it's, free. Not free. Okay. Oh, I thought you meant like, <laughs> yeah, no, you got to pay for it? With a K, not free. K-N-O-T. Yeah, 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 yeah. Not Mm-hmm. And then you also said veneer. Well, veneer, veneer grade, lu- veneer grade lumber. Do you know what they make veneer out of? I don't know if you got any veneer here. Well, this is not, no, no flaws whatsoever. No perfect. When they make veneer, the best, best, yeah, yeah. It's usually your butt cut on a tree. Because so like, and what they do is they your sign to, is to clear. Make, to make what's veneer? the butt cut, Steve? <laughs> Listen, man. What he's saying is, do you know what a veneer is? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> When you when they make veneer, they're taking a log and basically you're taking a not even it's like I a guy gave me a paper business thing. card a guy gave me a business card one time like so paper. picture a business card it felt like yeah. a normal business card thickness mm-hmm. that was like three veneer that was like a laminated piece of three uh, walnut like of veneer. it was laminated of the the veneer what the hell what am I well, trying to say plywood is a, a veneer but it's thicker plywood is veneer but yeah. so that's, three that's layers of walnut veneer laminated together was like a business card and they take that thing and they just you, you basically are cutting like a like you're flaying it's, that right. it's around it's put in circles on a they put it on a lathe and they cook it they cook it it's it's steamed cooked so it's soft and they peel it like you would Big sheets an apple but it sure. comes off like in sheets of paper Mm-hmm. And then they laminate it into your. They your put it on tops of crappy particle yeah. board. Because yeah. so the grain of that tree, that wood's got to be like perfect, cream or cream or cream. And you could have it. when I I learned this when me and Phelps were were working on our the line one calls mm-hmm. because another thing they do on the walnut, you boys might be familiar with this, steaming it to get the color to spread around, but then people can look and tell it's been steamed. But a good veneer walnut log, these these dudes are telling us, like, you might have one walnut tree that's worth a couple hundred bucks. The walnut tree next to it could be a $20,000 tree. Right. There's there's a lot of different grades of veneer. I mean, like, no big, long trunk, no limbs. No branches. Straight as an arrow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, that's, that's always the best splitting wood on a tree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that you're going to purposely cut that up, but a lot of times I'll get cut off from a sawmill. Like it was a veneer log, okay? And the buyer comes in and says, 
Well, it would say it's a number one saw log. I mean, so now I'm talking maybe in terms you guys don't know, I don't know, but. High quality. High quality log, it's a number one. Okay, that's top dollar. And it's, it's a 12 foot log. Oh, there's one knot on that end. If we cut two feet off that log and now it's a 10 footer, the value of that log just doubled because now it's veneer grade, not a number one grade. Uh -huh. So there's, and there's many different grades of veneer. It's not just veneer. There's, there's, it's over my head. I can't even tell you all that there's different grades, but that's way removed from firewood. But I guess <laughs> when I said veneer, that just really threw another wrench in. No, it's interesting. Yeah, no, I want to yeah, cover off on get, a few things. We're getting educated. I'll tell you the things I didn't know. I didn't know that you drove a railroad spike with a real thin maul, but it makes sense did, because you can't be dinging cheap. the shit well, out yeah. of the rail. Oh, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. nobody does that by hand anymore, you realize. <laughs> no. Nobody. There's probably some pneumatic driver. It's, all, sure. yeah, it's yeah. all hydraulics. hydraulics yeah. Yeah. So another thing that I'm, get, I'm catching on, your old man became so precise with this maul. And we did too, or we didn't eat. You know, then when you're looking at a log and you're like, man, if you could hit that log right there, that sucker would split. Well, we're and driving, you're, you're an inch off. You're driving a wedge, though. Oh, so you guys use a wedge, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. still a small, you know, inch, two inches, whatever. I mean, is, like, we got these newer hand maul axes. I don't know what you call them, the X. Back in the day, not anymore so much. But, I mean, a lot of you can hit the same crack. Crack. Every time. Every time. And if you do it a lot, you can. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you it's, develop. It's, it's practice. Everybody thinks it's strength too. It's it's technique, just like anything else. Yeah. Like the guys that are the big power lifters, there's a lot of technique in that. It's not all strength. I mean, yeah. strength is a big part of it, but technique is huge. Well, Jan, Yanni's way tougher than I am, but I could beat him in log splitting. There you go. <laughs> yeah, there you go. yeah I've serious. seen big guys try to split logs, and you, number one, they don't know how to read the wood. When you look at it, you have to see where the cracks yes, are, where yes. the knots are, what sections you want to take off when, and how to work. The wrong. Yes, you got to read the wood. You can't just do all brute strength, but no. then your technique and your swing and how you can accelerate your swing and bending the knees and using your upper body to come down and it's a lot of technique. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and then you know you always you always cut the fresh cut, not the dry cut. Yep. And you always oh, want you that. always want to cut it right away. Yeah, okay. I seen guys that cut up wood and they leave it in their backyard for two years. Oh, I'm going to go split that down. Well, that happens. That wood dries, shrinks and tightens down to a molecular. We're like, oh, now what's trying? It's like, why? <laughs> why waste your time beating Oh, so that? it doesn't get more brittle when you like put the axe in and then if smack it, it against would, the it could. Well, there's gravy, no moisture. Mm -hmm. gravy wood will still split, but if you got any knots in it, it's yeah. just. Well, the, but the huh. end will dry on you. And also, as it gets real dry, the whole thing is going to shrink and tighten. So moisture is actually a good thing. And that's why yes. we're talking about the oak in the middle of winter, because if it's below zero, the moisture in that round or that log is going to be and then wet. it just wants to pop. It's wants oh, to yeah. pop. It's I already got it, pressure. It's made, you've, you've it heard, makes me like get out and split something. You've right heard now, trees man. pop. Oh, I've got some rounds in, in my house, Steve. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking right now. I don't I like to get those shot. rounds. He's got some naughty ass spruce. <laughs> Maybe we need to oh, film spur, a competition. Spruce. Oh, spruce with. You know, you know a good splitting log. You guys aren't probably familiar with it, but yellow cedar. That's a hell of a splitting log. That makes you Cedar's, feel like a champ. Seriously. Because well, you, you know, picture making cedar shakes out of it, right? Right. Yep. Oh, yeah, Clear you feel like, you feel like the greatest man on the planet. Clear cedar splits <laughs> nice, yes. Yeah. Uh, so you grew up splitting wood. Grew up. For yeah. home use. Home but eventually yes. you guys, yes. became, you guys well, became market wood choppers. Dad actually would hire us out to the neighbors to split their wood for them. <laughs> yeah. 
Well, I never got so money we, for that. Did you get paid? I got paid. I, it it <laughs> wasn't much. And I'll tell you what, there was a lot of wood split for a very little money. But, you know, yeah. his, his thing was like, this will make you so tough, your shit will fight to get down a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah, never heard that saying. before. That's, that's what he was saying. This will make you so tough. Blah blah blah. Yeah, that's so a good he one. would he would go to a neighbor who had a pile of unsplit wood, and yep. he'd say, "My boys will come split it." Yep, yep. And then we Boy. got roped in after that. Then it was baling hay all day long uh, for the neighbors. Yeah, yeah. We, load we after we load. We grew up. Uh, you, if you want to, if you want to eat, you got to work. Yeah, the John yeah. Smith principle. <clears throat> yeah, I got you. Yeah, it was that's how we grew up. Yeah. And at some point, you started splitting it. You started cutting and splitting to sell. Well, I, he's always done a little bit, but then I had a buddy that had 90 acres of woods and he had oak wealth, which is, kills off the red oaks, okay. the, the black oaks. And he, he wanted it cut. And I'd always burn wood in my fireplace, maybe four or five face cords, so two full cords a year or so. And yeah, he, can, can you pause for a second? Yeah, we <laughs> need cords. a breakdown of that, I think. <laughs> There's a lot of terminology. You guys don't know no, shit about what. I, I got some you're terminology. You're a rick man, I know some you? terminology you guys won't know. Oh, I guess. Well, you just I'm said sure, the word. Sure why, are you guys, why are you guys talking about, no one talks about face cords. Like, you guys, I, okay, but I wanted to ask you this. You guys know the term a rick. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Face cord. Yeah, but why does thing. no one know what a rick? It's a regional like, I, thing. Okay, where's the region? Because in Michigan. We have bubblers. I don't know what that is. Water fountains. It's a water fountain. Yeah, and you have Ricks and we have face cords. There you go. That you guys use face regional. Court. Where were no, we I just knew face cord, but I, prior I knew Rick. But are you have any idea where, like, what the etymology of the word Rick is and how it's spelled? We don't know. R I C K is the way I know. See, we always we spell it R I C. I see, just a Rick. Oh yes, I've seen it spelled that way. I have seen it. Yeah, and it's a it's it's a sixteen inch. It's a stack of sixteen inch logs. Well, okay, let's eight let's feet. Look, let's, see, that's not a log. It's a piece or it's a, a chunk. Piece, yeah. Okay. Well, well, a log is the full sixteen-inch pieces. So let's start from the beginning. First Four year. feet high, eight feet long. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a face cord. Same yeah. thing as a rick. No, I'm same, with you. Same thing. So well, I can tell you what that thing weighs. <laughs> well, it depends on species. Depends on species. It depends on if it's dry. I actually or, can't remember. Is it dry? <laughs> I remember someone weighing one and telling me though. Well, they it, told me what a cord of oak weighs. Was it like five thousand? Okay, yeah. five full cord. A full cord of green oak weighs five grand. Yes. Wow. Yeah. So I remember so, I had, I took a three quarter ton truck and added enough leaf springs to it. Well, I built a box that was like, that was the right volume. Mm-hmm. I took a three quarter ton truck and added enough leaf springs to it. And it's funny because like three quarter ton used to mean like its capacity, but I could put a cord of green oak in that truck. Yeah. We it didn't like it. You were when you turn the wheel, it was light. Yeah. Don't go on any ice. Like the power steering worked really good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So to go back to the cord thing. So you start with your tree, you cut your trees down. We cut in our era, we cut them to 100, 100 inch. inches, which is eight foot, four inches. It's you do. a standard because the paper mills, that's what they want from 100 well, years ago. That goes back to logging days where I, in our area, they would float the, the wood down a river. Okay. That's how they got it out in the spring. And so you needed trim on the end of that log if it was going to be lumber. Mm-hmm. You didn't cut it eight foot. It wasn't eight foot. You left four inches. You got a couple inches of trim on each end. Sure. The damage for trim. So, meaning that when it was getting floated, it would get dinged up. Hitting they, rocks. Yeah, hitting they would get dinged stuff. up. They would get dinged up on the end. Smashed. But you don't actually. They never floated. I don't think hardwood. Hardwood doesn't float. They were floating basically pine. That was back in the that big can't pine be True. They didn't float hardwood. It doesn't doesn't Most flow, it man. It's really you're not going very far. It's on the bottom. Hmm. Never very thought about heavy that. Dense wood, yeah. So that always had to be that always had to be like wagoned out. 
probably. Yeah. Like in the big lumber boom days yeah. and shit. I, when we weren't were, working that long it, ago. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, that was in the winter with horses. They would they would right. skid it out with horses. Oh, no, right. I never thought about it. I assumed all that shit went down the rivers. No, no, not That's hard pine. That was all pine. pine. Balsam. Maybe, yeah. maybe some spruce and balsam, but mo- in our area, with the big white pine was the big mm-hmm. opener of okay. our area where I live. So eight foot logs. So yeah, eight foot logs, and then they're loaded onto log trucks, and they go to the paper mills, and that's kind of a standard operating size, and then they get yeah. shipped and turned into paper. In our area, that's the big thing. And pa- then there's paper also mills. lumber mills. Um, so in other areas of the country, you're going to be on like the West Coast. They do whole trees. They yeah. haul the whole tree out at one time. Not the whole tree, the log. Yep. So from the butt, that's the bottom of the tree, the butt where the root flare is. Butt cut. The butt cut, all the way to the top where it gets too small, where it's not worth anything anymore. They haul the whole tree out. Yep. Um, but in our area, because they want to be able to handle it, it's 100, Lake, 100 inches. Lake States is set up for, for eight foot wood, which is 100 yeah. inch wood is, yeah. you know, In out, out east, they do full trees or 16 footers, 20 footers. I mean, there's whatever. Yeah. And the mills were set up to handle that wood. Um, we had a, a mill that I sent wood to not that many years ago. They closed it down now. Uh, they used Aspen was their big thing. And they had... Um, the way they produce their pulp, they had pocket grinders and they would manually lift the wood into the pocket grinder. It was on a big stone and there was steam pressure in there and the wood would go into the spinning stone at an angle like this. And that's how they got their finest pulp. It was a real fine pulp for fine paper. And so they would take the eight foot logs and cut them in half. Of course, these are all peeled. There's no... The bark was always off first. No, they debark them with a tumbler. No, yeah, everything's way more mechanized. But when I started with the company I retired from, they were still using pocket grinders. It was one of the last ones left in the country. You already retired? Yes, well, I'm from, from that thing, I'm back doing... We do, we do stuff. Yeah. You're never retired, man, don't you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I you're got guys calling me, oh, come on, you can work for me. Come on, work for me. I'm like, oh, well, you know, the snow's getting deep. I don't want to do firewood right now. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'll come back for a while. We'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. So, so we'll go back to the, the logs. You get your eight-foot logs, and if you stack them so they're four feet wide, four feet high, that's what's considered a pulp cord, That's correct? a full, full a cord. log cord. Full cord. A cord. cord. Yeah. When, Say it again. It's a full... Eight foot log. Eight foot, eight foot log. logs, four feet high, four feet wide. Four yep. by four pile is a cord. Yep. That's a cord. 128 cubic feet. Yep. And However, how we buy it off the truck. But now everything is getting converted to tons. Now they're buying tons. For the cords. paper industry. For yeah. the paper industry, yes. But, but for no. our, our purposes, what happens then is, so you get your full log cord. That's the way I refer to it. I don't know if everybody else does. When you process that wood into your 16-inch pieces, cutting it, splitting it, stacking it, you end up with about two and a half, 2.5 yeah. face cords or not quite a full cord because you're reducing the size. Any, any space in there, the roundness of the logs, you're going to have voids in the pile of your logs. Hold on, back, so, back up. I'm, I'm getting it, <laughs> I'm getting it, but I'm, I'm, I'm confused. I would expect that it would. Fluff up? Yeah, I was expecting I would that expect it would, it would fluff up because you're never going to put a log you're back also, together. You're also, your kerf is an eighth of an inch and you're cutting... Your, that's your all cut that, on your all logs. that sawdust is gone. All that sawdust and it's, is gone. And, and I, I get what you're saying, but you don't so have reducing. all those. You don't have all those spaces between right. the logs. Right, and Boys. a lot of bark. So comes it reduces off. in volume. Yeah, yeah. 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 You get two point five on really big wood. If you're cutting like s- stuff like I cut, you you will get. We call it Abbey wood. Abbey normal. Abbey normal. 
Yeah. Nobody, yeah, I'm the one. <laughs> you, you guys don't know. So, in Young Frankenstein, yep. there you in, go. Young, in Young Frankenstein, Gene Wilder. Yep, that's where I got sends, that from. Yeah, <laughs> young Frankenstein, Gene Wilder sends his lackey. What's his name? Igor? Igor, yeah. He sends Igor. He needs a brain. So he sends Igor down to to get a, get a brain, brain off a off a dead person, a new dead person, and he puts the brain in his monster, and the monster goes berserk, and he says, "What was the name on the whose brain did you get?" He says, "I think that her name was Abby." Abby, yeah. yes. And then he says, well, "What was her last name?" And it was, I think it was Abby Normal, Normal, <laughs> and he had gotten an abnormal. Specimen. Yeah. yeah, that's so. That's the wood I cut is the Abbey wood because I could always get it for cheap or free. Yeah. Nobody, Nobody wants, wants to work that freaking hard. So we get that. <laughs> we get that a lot to make big pieces of wood small. Yeah. So, but I've been working hard my whole life. It's just normal for me. But we get a lot of people that will watch Kenny and I cut some of his big stuff. We cut the Abbey wood, and they're like, "You should be turning that into slabs. You should be turning that into lumber. That's ridiculous." You're going to burn it. That's a waste. You mean to well, tell me that you put a the, video out and someone has no, a better idea? Yeah. Oh, they all have better <laughs> ideas. Every day, Every man. Day. You can't and, do nothing and right. The, thing, the reason I'm bringing this up is the thing is that wood was rejected from the lumber mill because yeah, it was I, we did, rotten, flaws, crooked. We did, what, three loads? Well, I did three loads of that Semi-loads. These are semi-truck truck loads. Truck loads. Truck loads. Semi-loads. So this wood was so big, I bought it from my the last job I had. They had, uh, I worked for a sawmill. So I made a deal with them. I bought all their reject wood like a year and a half ago. So all their stuff they had, they went through the metal detector, had nails and spikes and saw blades and whatever in it. All their, it was actually oversized wood. They could not run through their sawmill. It was too big for their mill. And then people say, well, why did they buy it? it they in. buy sales. They buy, say, okay, they bought, you know, a, a hundred acre sale. We're logging this off. And the tree is marked by the forester. The tree's got to be cut. And on the bottom cut, that's a 50-inch butt cut. They can't run it, but they're paying their crew to cut it. That crew's going to get paid to cut it because they got to bring it out. That tree's marked. You don't leave it lay. It's your problem to deal with. You bought the sale. So they end up with all these, you know, they might only get one or two of those on a job, but over a couple of years, now there's truckloads up laying out in the back. We don't know what to do with them. So well, utilizing a resource. Call mm -hmm. the dummy. I know a dummy. He'll buy them. <laughs> there he is. So... <laughs> Well, and I've been doing this for years. They said, but you got to take it all. So I bought like 12 or 15 truckloads last year of this stuff. Of the Abbey Normal Wood. Abbey Wood. Well, it wasn't all. Oh, there was three loads of just Abbey Wood, yes. <laughs> well, on one truckload he got, how many How many logs did you have on one truckload? Normally you'll have hundreds. Mm -hmm. Well, he had five. <laughs> no, there was, what the heck was like 21 pieces. Yeah, that's, that's big wood. What is a... <laughs> There's a video. You can watch the videos. No, <laughs> look it up. It's they're out there. But what are you paying? Um, what are you willing to pay? Well, let me start off with it. When I sold firewood, mm -hmm. um, I was selling firewood from like ninety to ninety six. Mm -hmm. You would get. You could sell if you wanted to sell. If you were hurting for cash, you could sell green split hardwood. For about sixty or seventy bucks a cord, green. Your full face, cord, you're face talking? cord. No, dude, I'm telling you what it was back then. Face cord. So you're talking to Rick or a full cord? No, I would I would stack mine up 
and then sell it. To, this is in those years. I would sell maple. It was maple, oak, beach, yeah. split, dried, delivered, ninety dollars a cord for a full cord. Listen, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> was it a pickup load or or like your full was cord? Measured one hundred twenty-eight okay, cubic full feet. Cord. Full cord. One hundred twenty-eight cubic feet yeah. of split, dried, delivered you hardwood. Were, you were tired for, for a very little. Pain. For, <laughs> for <laughs> <hard>. <laughs> you would maybe, depending on like the severity of the winter and shit, and how long you were willing mm-hmm. to hold it, you could maybe get a hundred. But that was the most I ever taught. But I knew guys that would that would build. They would take a. a Mobile home trailers, those big, huge, mm-hmm. and they'd beef them out, and they would drive wood to Detroit, and they would sell it for three times as oh, much. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It goes Detroit. on to this day. Where yeah. he sells his wood and where I sell his wood is night totally and day. Totally different. Night and day. Totally different. But what is the, give me the economics on it now. Like, what are you willing to pay for an unsplit cord? I would pay from zero to $5, but I was never, like, big time about it. I'd just do, a, like, something to make money. I'd pay from zero to five mm-hmm. for the stuff, and I'd sell it for what I just said I'd sell it for. Well, I get a lot of tree service wood for free. Which okay. yeah, well, trees that are being taken down to neighborhoods that are dead, dying, uh, dangerous. Right now, you got the the uh, emerald ash emerald borer ash is killing all the ash in Wisconsin now. So them are all getting. Taken so I probably out. got three truckloads, semi loads of that this year, which is each truckload is going to have thirteen, fourteen full cords on it. Okay, free. so you're getting it free. They got not it. only free, they bring it to me. Yeah, delivered, huh. delivered. And what do you sell? What's wood selling for right now? Like a, just general average around well, the country for split hardwood. I'll, I'll mention That's that, but first I want to go. Yeah, I want to go back. I'll go back to mentioning um, the wood that I do buy. The better wood quality. I talked about those veneers. Like if you buy bolts, which is a very good straight log, I will pay anywhere from fourteen hundred to sixteen hundred dollars for a semi load. So I'm paying about one hundred and ten, hundred twenty dollars per full cord of logs. Why? That's because what it it's costs. beautiful. That's what it costs. That's what. And you I have a pay. firewood processor now, and it likes that kind of wood. Yes. And I can produce. I can. I can process that whole load in one day. Mm. Got it. Oh, Speed and is then, everything. Time mm. is everything. Got it. And then sell that for two, three plus. Because it's times easy to more. handle. Mm. Yeah, but you got to get it. They want it. Most people want it dry. Yep. So and the machine does most of the work, but the machine was donated to me by one of my people that. Kool-Aid drinkers. No, no, no. no, 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 no. no. Runs a business. It's no. East, Easton made. Uh, Andrew's a smart man. Yeah. It's Easton made uh, wood processors and splitters. So he wanted Canada. people to see his shit in action. I asked he him. Knows. I asked him. I said, so what do you do for advertising? He says, um, you're it. <laughs> so he said, just make videos make for me. Videos. Got it. So you're hauling and ass through so much wood. Chris has that, sold a lot of stuff for, for this guy. Yeah. yeah lots yeah. by having his YouTube channel. They're over a year behind on selling their machines from the time people order to the time they can produce it. And they just keep growing. So we've done a lot of advertising for them. So anybody gives me stuff, they're going to sell a lot of stuff. It's just the way it works. You hear that, people? Because I got the eyeballs. It's what they want. Oh, you should talk about how you need a couple snowmobiles. I don't need snowmobiles. <laughs> well, I mean, just come on now. I don't need snowmobiles. team player here, man. Somebody else needs a snowmobile. <laughs> well, you could get it and donate it. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So that uh, that's in the woodyard. Yep, that's in the woodyard. And, and I started that. And, and when did you start in the woodyard? Um, about two years ago. And it's because my son uh, is an IT guy. And he says, you know, Dad, what you're doing is interesting to some people. And because I'm a by by trade, I'm I'm I've been self-employed for 40 years. I'm a full-time professional photographer. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. So I had the skills there. I had a skill set I brought to the table there. He helped me set it all up. I know editing. I know how to do all everything that needs to be done for it. 
I'm not afraid of people. I'm not afraid of talking. I mean, there's a lot of people that freeze up in front of a camera, as you know. It's hard to get them to relax mm -hmm. and be themselves. I I have no problem with it. Can I give you? Can I give you? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Can I give you my take on that sure. subject? There's three kinds of people. <laughs> not not really, but there's three things that happen. Um, I found that you can have someone that, that like you got a friend or whatever, and they have like a great personality. Okay, and you point a camera at them. And it just stops. It shuts down. Frozen turd. You could know someone that has no personality. You put a camera on them and they make one up. Mm -hmm. And people see through <laughs> that though. <laughs> or you could have a person, I'm talking to you, Kevin Murphy, who, <laughs> Kevin Murphy, Doug Duran, okay? They're the way they are and you love them and you put a camera on them, nothing changes. Nothing changes. Yeah. That's, That's gold. Want. That's what you want. That's gold. That's yeah. Kenny. That's he's I'm, 100 percent real. I'm the, I'm the There's no filter. Actually. Nothing changes. I'm the test dummy man. They just keep going the way they were going. Yeah, I have I've a lot. Been, of, he I've, makes me do a lot of editing. I've been the test dummy my whole life. Yeah. What are you What are you getting out of this whole thing? <laughs> Nothing. He's here. <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> well, hey, no. Last year yeah. I had an invite from one of my viewers uh, to go to uh, uh, New Mexico elk hunting. I get to I go along. along. Here I, I am. Get to go along. That's great, uh, man. I give him free stuff. I, he gets a lot of free labor from me because I go help him out. Um, I'm waiting. I, I was promised that he was going to bring a processor <laughs> up two years ago and process my wood for me. Yeah. It hasn't showed you. Now, what's your, so you guys, <laughs> but you guys have, your wood businesses are different. Yeah, totally. totally. Why not combine your wood businesses? He's too far apart. 200 miles away from me. Yeah, it's, it's too He's far. He's in northern away. Wisconsin. I'm in central. He lives where all the people are that, that want to buy expensive wood to burn in their backyard. I supply people that heat their homes. So and people heating their homes right. want to save money. Right, right. <laughs> I, sell, <laughs> I, sell my customers. I sell my wood way cheap. Yeah. Way cheap. My people are literally, <laughs> literally burning money. They're sitting by the fireplace, drinking beer, watching sports. I was at a fundraiser one time in New York, <laughs> and a guy told me that he had he was in he was in finance, so he was in Wall Street finance, but had found a side gig that he was really passionate about. He described it as being in the designer firewood business, mm -hmm. where they were taking orchard like uh, when you would redo apple orchards. Mm -hmm. Yep, big money. Cuts a very uniform piece, and he would kiln dry mm -hmm. the firewood because people wanted to have a stack of firewood in their house as an ornament mm -hmm. that they don't burn. No, no right. bugs, but, but they, they just... want that shit to be that you could bang it and no sawdust comes off it. Right, right. So he said it is like you don't even need to dust this shit once you stack it in your house. Birch is the thing that people want for white that birch. White yeah. birch. Yeah. He said it was a designer yep. firewood company. Yeah. He didn't even want to tell me what he gets for a stack of that I'm designer sure firewood. I'm sure it's very good. Kiln dried, all cut the same, yep. and you design in your house next to your fireplace a yep. little wood stack, and he fills that stack with wood that... Yep. Oh, you know what's funny? I'll tell you something the other night. Uh, Phelps, did you hear about Phelps and the scorpion? I, he sent me a picture of a scorpion in a bed. So oh, no. I think that we we're burning like we're burning oak down in Sonora and every piece of oak is hollow. And it's just a huge dump of like oak warming up inside this house next to this fireplace. And Phelps was right by the fireplace and right by the oak. And he was the guy every night, like he's like throwing oak into this big <laughs> fireplace. One night he wakes me up, we're sleeping next to each other. He's in his sleeping bag. I'm in my sleeping bag. And he wakes up just all worked up. And he got bit. A scorpion got him on the inside of his left thigh, mm -hmm. the inside of his right thigh. He put his hand on there trying to figure oh, out what was no, going on no. and got it right in the thumb. Oh. 
They don't yeah. bite though. Right? They sting, I believe. Yeah, stings. Okay. He said it felt. He thought that he thought that he was getting an an electrical shock from a cactus thorn. Is what he said it felt like. Mm. And then he was trying to figure out if he's going to wake up dead or not. You know, if he goes back to sleep. But he was still he was hurting pretty good. Mm. But Did he have any effects? Hurt him bad, but not his his weird his thumb went numb down to the wrist. Yeah. Whoa. And uh, his legs, if he'd, whenever he'd walk, he'd get little. So of course, being a guy, if it's on either side of his groin, uh, did it affect anything? Not that I've heard of. I (laughs) called him this morning. (laughs) I called him this morning to check on him because then he fell back asleep and I woke him up and to see if he was doing all right. But uh, yeah, he. uh, Did you guys contact a doctor? No, but we detained the scorpion. (laughs) That doesn't seem really helpful to Jason. (laughs) I detained it live. If he started foaming at the mouth, because I wanted to be, uh, it's still detained. Oh, okay. Because if something happens to him, we wanted to be like, here it is. Might be rabid. Smart. Yeah. So (laughs) we had it, and then we were trying to move how we had it detained, and it almost got loose in the truck. (laughs) But it's it's secure. Is it a big scorpion? It sits right now in a Tylenol bottle. Was it a big one? The biggest scorpion I've ever. I'm not joking. They say the little ones are the most dangerous. Yeah, but that's all. Is it? Is it? No. Is he okay now? I tried to call him this morning and I haven't heard from him. Now listen, (laughs) this scorpion, this scorpion is the size of your pinky finger. The size of my pinky finger. Holy shit! Huge. That's yeah, back to what was I saying? <laughs> I, don't know. I don't know. We're going sideways. Oh. Right? Yeah, yeah. Designer <laughs> Firewood doesn't, Designer, have oh, Designer yeah. doesn't yeah, carry yeah. scorpions. Yeah. Okay, so you want to know pricing. So, um, in Kenny's area, good job of bringing that back. That's great, man. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's on it. Great hosting. Uh, in, in Kenny's area, you guys should do a podcast. And I'll license it from you. <laughs> okay. Well, we could do that. No, I'll license it. We'll put it on our network. Okay. And I'll license it. And we'll do a rev share. Is there any money involved? Oh, yeah, in this, dude. Because I ain't making squat. <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, man. Not if you go on your own. No, You're on your own. Yeah. Not if you go on your own. But 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 if you were to join a network, because there's like I'm not going to get into it right now because it'd be doing me a disservice to explain it all. I know you're on expensive. the air. Yeah. But if you were to join, if you were to do this, it'd be in and out of the woodyard podcast I can't you do the believe. podcast i license it we do a rev share and you're getting double money you're getting money up front you're people, getting rev share people would pay for this this, oh, is, yeah. this is blows my mind <laughs> i'm being entertained right now <laughs> i Listen, never man. thought i would be this interested in titillating <laughs> we haven't, we haven't covered like Nothing. zero point shit percent yet i mean okay. well i know we're never gonna well, get to let's it let's get to but it. the beauty of it is people can just go watch your stuff this is just a teaser yeah, okay yeah. but I, I do want i want to get to the current i want i just current out of pricing. personal curiosity i just okay. want to know where the wood market sits right now. So in Kenny's area, where, like he said, people are burning wood to save money, and, and there's wood everywhere. <laughs> yeah, we are, everywhere. I live in a very wood-rich area. And there's no Everybody people. Everybody and their brother <laughs> has wood. So there's Every, a lot of wood, no people. people. Everybody, the people that are there want to save money. They right. all got chainsaws. They all got a brother that's a logger. Right. I mean, I work with loggers and truckers. I've been in the wood business my whole life. But they either aren't capable of producing more wood because they're getting older, or they run out of wood, or they underestimated their needs. That kind of stuff. So he right. will sell wood to people that just don't, they like wood heat and they want their wood heat. I, I heat my house with wood and, and if I don't have a fire going in the furnace, it's like it's my house right. is cold. It's, yeah, the, fur, the thermostat says 70, but it's not 70 in every square inch of the house. It's like it's 70 over there, but it's like 60 over here. It's like with wood heat, it's everywhere. This and is it's, the most it's dry. buried answer 
So I'm I'm trying to dig it back out. Okay. Okay. So <laughs> keep so going sideways. In, in his area, uh, seventy to ninety dollars per face cord or rick or third of a cord, whichever you prefer. Yes. Well, in our area, it's a face cord. Okay. Right. It's a face cord. Everybody buys in face cords. Yes. So if I'm a normal person and I say I need five cords for the winter, you have to then go like. Do you five mean face cords three, or full face cords cord or no, full cords? I didn't say face cord. No, but, want, he, no, but I'm he's saying ask you, he's going to ask you that when you I'm say gonna, that. I'm going to ask you, you that. I would have cords. said, I would have said, okay, let, let's role play. Per. I'm a customer. Hey, and Steve, I'm, how I'm you call, doing? I'm not calling you. Oh. I'm calling Kenny because okay. okay. I'm in I'm in there. I'm up there in the, where you're at. Yep. I'd like to buy five cords for the winter. Okay. So are you talking full cords or face cords? What did I say? You said five <laughs> cords. I need to know. <laughs> what is your de definition of a cord? Because I'm going to ask you that. Because I do have customers that have cabins. So I sell a lot of people that got cabins. They buy wood for me like every other year because they come up to their cabin in winter. They want to go snowmobiling. <laughs> Them people actually pay pretty good because they, you know, they got their half million. And they want a Rick. They got a, their half million dollar, you know, cabin, you know, that they come snowmobiling twice a year to. And they want, they want to have nice dry wood there. So I do have some of those customers. So I got to find out if they know what a cord is or not a cord, and then. Okay, I'm coming, okay. Coming I, from, let's go back to the role play. Okay, again, here we go sideways. I'd like five cords. No, we're gonna get there fast. This is straight, no commentary, straight role play. Hi, I would <laughs> like to buy five cords of hardwood split and dried. And I'm gonna say once again, is it a face cord? Is four foot by eight, four foot high, eight foot long, sixteen inches? Is that what you call a cord? No, sir. I'm talking about a full cord, 128 okay, cubic feet. Okay, so that's feet. three face cords. That's you want 15 face cords. That's five. If that's how you need to think about it, sir. Yes. yes. <laughs> I'd like it to be split, dried, hardwood delivered. Yep. Okay, so where is your? Where are you? How far are you from me? Next door. Oh, next door. That's easy. <laughs> that's going to be uh, 240 bucks a load. That's five loads. Do the math. Oh my god. God, the wood business got complicated. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, again, well, five times, what did I say? So it's 15 times, 15 times whatever you're going raise. Let's, let's approach it a different hey, way. Yep. Let's approach it a different way. I say to you, I'm coming to pick up a full cord of split and dried hardwood. How much is it? Your definition is going to be 240. Okay, that's all I want to know. Got Your it. definition. So is it's in, it's increased by it's increased two point four x since and I was that's a kid. Cheap wood. That's cheap that's wood. Cheap My wood. area, it's different. If you go to Chicago, it's way different. Okay, so that's why I'm going to explain. He's three sixty for that same load. Yeah, I get three. I'm at two forty. He's at three sixty. So for it's three point six x from when I was a kid. Right. I have more people, fewer trees. I know a guy who has one of the biggest firewood businesses in the state of Wisconsin. It's called Frank's. He sends two to three semi-loads every single day to Chicago. $800 a cord. Holy shit. Man. Ken, wow. why don't you just He's got transport 60 employees. a little bit? Well, that's, well then I got to. I mean, there's gas, but. Well, trucking and is trucking, huge. Trucking yeah. is huge. I mean, time. I can't. I can't sell him wood for what I sell for, and him to come get it and sell it for what he does. Oh, it, it's mm -hmm, all lost mm -hmm, in transportation. Mm, got yes. it. Yeah, you can't move Delivery. it. Mm -hmm. It's freight. Mm. 
Okay, let's jump along a little bit. You know, now. diesel okay. fuel has been running five dollars a gallon up till recently, yep. and it's still over four by us. You can go further with Can Am. I'm telling you, man. I don't care if you're hunting on a farm, hunting on a ranch, hunting out on public, cruising up and down the beach down in Baja, out in the desert in Sonora where we hunt coos deer. Riding in a Can Am is just funner than riding a vehicle. Everything about it's better. And you can check these two models out. The Defender. This is the undefeatable workhorse from Can-Am. Because like you, it never quits in the face of the toughest work. And it's got HVAC, which keeps you protected from the elements. And you can enjoy the perfect temperature when it's freezing cold or real hot. Heavy-duty Rotax engine with a class-leading 69 pound-feet of torque. And check this out. Up to 2,500 pounds towing capacity. The Outlander 500 or 700. This is an all-capable workhorse. Nothing you can't overcome. HD5, HD7 engines that power through any job. Engineered with the strength, features, and build to never let you down. So you're getting reliability and a quality build ready for any job with 125 accessory options. To find your next Can-Am. Or to shop online, visit canamoffroad.com slash hunting. Hey, everybody. I'm talking here about Montana Knife Company from our very own state of Montana. This company was founded by one of the most experienced master bladesmiths in the world, Josh Smith, who over recent months I've become friends with. And my God, have I learned a lot about knives from this guy. Just a phenomenal hometown company that makes world-renowned knives. Josh has been making knives for 30 years. You get one of these knives up and open it, it is sharp like something that came from outer space. And here's the deal. They make knives that can be sharpened. You can work on these knives. If you don't want to work on them, you send it to them and they'll work on it. They'll get it sharp. Phenomenal hunting knives. If you want to see them in action, we just did, uh, me and uh, John Hayes, the taxidermist, just did a video about how to properly skin a black bear. Um, watch that video, and in that video, you'll see Montana Knife Company knives in action. MKC products usually sell out in minutes of being released, which is true. But now, for the first time, they're dabbling with having knives in stock on their site. So right now, you can grab yourself a Blackfoot 2.0 or the Ultralight Speed Goat. Use code MEATEATER. And you get 10% off your first order. Montana Knife Company. Working knives for working people. 10% off with the code Meat Eater. That's a good deal. Being prepared is all about having the right tools. The OnX Off-Road Map and Navigation app is the best to find off-road trails and off-grid camping. And to use fully functional GPS when you're out of service. And, as we all know, that... Being out of service is usually where the best places start. Plus, there's color-coded public and private land boundaries, which are super handy for finding off-grid camping. And I said it before, but I want to make sure it sticks. Offline maps. What this means is it allows you to access all interactive land and trail data and custom map markups when you're out of service. Just download the map ahead of time. Your phone's internal GPS gives you full navigation capabilities offline so you'll always know where you are and how to get home safely. 
I've been using Onyx for many years. I use it, I'm not joking, on a daily basis. There is zero hunting I do without Onyx. Go to onxmaps.com and use code MEATEATER to get 20% off your membership today. Once you got out of the wood yard going, in, sorry, once you got in the wood yard going, mm-hmm. which is such a novel idea, um, are there other, were there other people per, like producing regular content on YouTube that was about the wood business? Yes, but not as niche as what I went with it. Not nearly. They, not they, nearly. They I can see them doing like some fancy pants wood stuff, but exactly. not stove wood. Yeah, that that and just a lot of lifestyle type uh, reality show kind of things or bringing in their everyday activities along with all of it. Like, But I, I myself, I just went with it the way I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it where it was focused on one topic and what it took to do that and beginning to end all the details because the magic's always in the details. Mm-hmm. People want to know the difference between a face cord and a full cord every you know, day. You know how many conversations <laughs> there's been about this? It's all this? the time. It's, yeah. it's all the time. So um, I just, I really wanted to niche down because I did a lot of studying on YouTube by watching people that are experts in the industry of education in YouTube, telling people how to do it right. Hmm. And niching down and getting more specific is better um, because an audience is going to come to you for that particular topic. And if you start talking about your trip to the mall, you're losing. And you're not talking M-A-U-L. Yeah, I'm talking the M-A-L-L. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's. It's uh, it's a big difference, uh, and people people are there in that particular audience, and yeah, they may have some common interests. A lot of firewood people are hunters, they are fishermen, they are outdoors people, but not all of them. Some mm, of my, a lot of them. There's a lot of them. Yeah, some of my people that watch me, and I've got people from 55 countries that watch that tell me, you know, I I do firewood, but I'm not a hunter. I'm a vegan, and I appreciate mm. you doing that, and I'm okay with it because I like your content. Yeah. Yep. So, but if I start showing hunting stuff on there, it's going to turn them off right now. Oh, yeah. This is not what they came for. Nope. Exactly. Yeah, like if I had like a thing where I put Lego shit together, I wouldn't start splitting firewood on it. My son has that channel. Yeah. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Really? Yes. Yeah. He's got a a YouTube Lego channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Red Rick Studs. He just started it. How old are you guys? I'm 60 and... 59. In in two months. You guys married? Yeah. Yeah. We're 10 months and two days apart. Yeah. How long have you guys been married? <laughs> uh, me, I'm on my second round. 12 years, second round here. Yeah, how much added up? 37. Yeah, that's good. I got 38 in with one. 38. No, 38 with one? Three kids, same as you, boy, girl, boy. Oh, that's great. Uh, I started out 25 years first round, and I'm on 12 or 13 now. So you hit silver there. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> I pointed out that my, my father hit silver with two different people. No, okay. no. Yeah, it's like a model of loyalty, right? Yeah. Did it twice. Yeah. I got seven. We got seven kids, so but they're all grown and gone. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> so tell me, uh, after you got the 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 in the wood yard, mm-hmm. how, how did it occur to you to start doing out of the wood yard? Well, because that that was my that was my introduction, right? Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'm going to back up just a little bit so you get the context of it. So I, when I would drop these videos that weren't wood related, I saw a big drop in viewers, and you know. On a, on a, per video basis, knowing that YouTube didn't know what to do with it because they didn't know what to do with the content. And being that we're outdoors people, I thought, hey, I'll just separate it out. My son told me too, who's the IT guy, he said, yeah, if you keep it more pure, the the algorithm will know what to do with it. 
And I wanted to do that content, just to put it somewhere else. So I started doing the the trapping and the noodling, catfish noodling. And oh, yeah. You want to go noodling, we know a guy. It's awesome, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he watches your show. He's in love with you. <laughs> oh, really? Oh, yeah. I want to go. <laughs> he messaged me Are last you, night. It's awesome. You're not I haven't, I haven't it. done it yet. I want to try it. I like yeah. fishing catfish, but yeah. Like it's a fishing. rush. Yeah. It's a rush. Um, yeah, and so we separated it out, and I haven't done as much to it as I wanted to because I've been so busy. And part of the reason why I haven't is in the last three months, I was basically evicted from where my wood yard was. I wasn't evicted, but I got noticed that it wasn't up to code and wasn't in covenants of what I could do. I'm in a commercial location. Mm-hmm. And I assumed I was okay, but I wasn't. You knew you were. I kind of knew. <laughs> well, not. The developer was okay with it. He didn't have a problem. Nobody else said anything for 10 years. But it got bigger and bigger, and then I got the big machinery, and then the neighbor said, um, I just put a parking lot in. It cost me 180 grand. He said, I know you're not under covenants because you have to have hard surface, which is either blacktop or gravel underneath any materials outside. So and he fencing. said, and fencing. And he said, I don't like the way it looks. No. Yeah. Oh, man. So luckily he, I had, he, he outgrew his britches. I grew my britches. Yeah. Yeah. So. We well, you know what, you know, uh, so I made a th- this guy you're talking about, he might love his family and be a great American, <laughs> but uh, that's the thing I don't get, man. You know, I don't understand. He didn't want it. I would rather, I like my shit tidy, okay? Mm-hmm. Neat and tidy. Mm-hmm. I would rather all of my neighbors had total shitholes. So you look good. No. Oh. Because if I like, they're going to be less likely to care if, if my kids are messing right. around. Right, right. I'm more likely to find something I might need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's yeah. more likely there's going to be a bunch of cottontail rabbits Ooh. hanging out in all their junk. Yeah. It's just like, there's nothing but like, I would rather that everyone around me had a junkyard. And then my stuff was in the middle. Perfect. But I'm guessing that that's not the perspective that your neighbor had. No, no, no he's jealous. It's an, indu- <laughs> it's, an industri- it's an industrial park. It's an industrial I mean, park. it's, it's not. Uh, com- or, or, yeah, I mean, he didn't do it because he doesn't like the way your yard looks. Come on. No, no, he did. Really? No, yeah. you don't think he did it because he was like, well, if I had to pay, he does too. Uh, maybe. No, I think it's kind of a combination. He's a. It's an electrical engineering place, and they bring people in from all over the world. For what they do, and they have government contracts, it's a big deal. Yeah, but and he just think how great his place must look next to your place. That's what I always thought. He'd be like, "Hey, you can be here." And how authentic it is. Welcome to Wisconsin. Oh yeah, Mm. everybody splits wood around here. Look at this guy. Yeah, that's what most people think. Most people say that. All the people watching my channel thought it was like ridiculous. But I got a better deal now. So he does good. It worked out. He's improved. It's improved tremendously. Once again, one more reason I don't have a processor in my place yet. (laughs) Yeah, so that's what slowed me down from doing more content on my out of the wood. So. Back to your original question about because you the had to duke it out about your property. I had to move. Well, you got to move. Yeah. You I don't move realize everything. how much crap you accumulate. I had ten years of firewood stuff to get out of there. It's a lot. Yeah, it was a lot. So but that slowed yeah. you down on your well, outdoor content. Three or four months. Yeah, it put me behind on production. Everything. Yeah. So yeah, and then Kenny and I started doing the trapping thing since we were kids, and I always yeah. thought it would be neat to have it where we would show people what we do because, I mean. I trapped when we were younger with Ken. Our grandpa was a professional trapper. Actually, our great grandpa was great a grandpa. professional. Yeah, trapper. we're fourth generation. No, he was professional beaver trapper. No, Tra- everything trapper, everything trapper, minnows, yeah. trapper, minnows in the summer, fur oh, bearing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. summer. Yeah. I, I was I reading about that. The minnow thing. Yeah, yeah. He, was, he was a bait man. Yes, yep. I did yep. that too. Yep. I grew up doing it. We worked for him. That's we did. We sold live bait 
in the summer. We worked for him every summer. Seen in minerals. Seen in minerals. And, and, well, he sold the minerals. We just helped him. Would he do like the leeches, wigglers, all that? No, or just like no. just a minnow guy? That crawlers was, was, was crawler. our We picked crawlers. That was our division. Every time it rained, we, <laughs> we, picked, we picked the crawlers. Man, I tell you, they had a broken back when I was 10 So you'd go old. out in a, like in the spring on a rainy night and you oh, crawlers. We'd pick uh, crawlers until you couldn't move no more. Until yeah. my mom would find us and say, get home. You got school tomorrow. School starts yeah. in an hour. Out there well, all night. Man, we're making we're making buck, you know. Yeah, two cents a nightcrawler, man. Twenty five cents a dozen, man. That was big money back then. You don't realize. <laughs> so well, out, just out in the cornfield in the rain, well, paper crawlers. Norman, so. all like, everybody's yard, everybody's front yards, and you know, everybody had a yard. But the right, taking up their front yards. If the right weather, no, they, they, they come crawl out at night. Night they crawler. Can, they crawl. They come out. They no, come yeah, out. Like, you they never pick night crawlers. Not at night. Oh man. No. Oh, dude, dude, you get like if What's, you get what, in, what you get in May, May, early June, they and you get up, a real goldie washer of uh, a rainstorm. You go out to, at night, dude. They come they're out, out to breathe. Okay, and but what, do, but do the two have to happen simultaneously, or or can you have just any night? Better ones. No, 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 no. Rainy night. Rainy night's the best. It brings them out and they start making love. Yeah, they can. And they're. They're that's a twofer. twisted up. That's, that's a, a double, man. You can grab them both at once. You've got two in one pick. And they don't get away as good when they're making No, they're they, locked they up. They can't separate. They're locked up like a couple like dogs. dogs. Yeah. <laughs> you get them both. It's a night crawler, man. Yeah. It's a great business. Where um, we, yeah. I mean, we, so he was a bait man. <laughs> yep. Yep. And he contracted with bait stores. Yep. Well, yeah. he would. He, he, he had a route. Well, he had a route up actually where I live. See, okay, back in them days, people would go up north and they'd stay at a resort, right? Yep. There's a lot of resorts on a lake or on a river, or whatever. Well, the resort owner would have cabins and people would come stay there and they're going to go fishing. They'd have boat rentals, canoe rentals. Well, they don't want to have to go someplace and catch bait to go fishing because back then it was all live bait. You know, people didn't have all these fancy things, you know. So they fished with minnows. He would sell to the resort owners. He would make a weekly run. Every Friday he would drive up north 150 miles and sell to all these they would order ahead of time. Like hundreds of dozens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dozens. Yeah. Gallons yeah. by the gallon. By the gallon Nowadays yeah. it's by the gallon, whatever. But yeah, he had a he had a 500-gallon tank on the back of the truck and then- Was he just dealing in one, was he doing like chubs, fatheads, shiners? Yep, yep. all yeah, of that. Yeah. And, and all hand separated. Mud, mud minnows was the big thing because they lived long. Mud. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know what a mud minnow is, but- They live anywhere, anytime. They live like a polywog in a mud puddle. They're tough. You can't hardly kill them. And I'd probably they, know it if I was looking at it, but I'd probably know it they by They look a like a miniature musky. Oh, yeah. Yep, stripes yeah, on the no, yeah, yeah. You know what we used to call those? Is, uh, we'd call them uh, hell? tiger minnows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Well, yep. them were in high demand, and where he lived, he caught lots of them, and people really wanted them because they would last. Mm-hmm. You could buy them one week, and two weeks later, they're still alive. So all your shiners, your suckers, your all your fatheads and all that, he always called them soft bait. Because they had to be in a tank with an aerator. Whereas a mud minnow, you just throw it in a pail. It'd be got alive it. a week later. Soft bait, you got about a half hour. That thing's dead. So he was a bait trapper and a fur trapper. Yep. Yes. He did minnows in the summer, trapped in the winter, mostly. Mm-hmm. And you were brought up around that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. So at eight years old and he was seven, we started trapping muskrats. Yep. And you guys got heavy duty in the muskrats. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We did. We went out west, Dakotas. We went North Dakota, South Dakota, man. We slayed them. We, we hit the, we hit it. I mean, when we were out there, it was, it was like heaven, man. It was. They had high water. So high water and. High water. High and population. High population just boomed. And you could almost hop from rat house to rat house. I mean, yeah. it was. I went out there unreal. one fall, or no, spring. Spring. Went out there in the spring. 
by myself and some buddies. They were all, we were all trapping together, but separately. You know, we were all stayed at the same place and trapped the same area. I went out there, well, for perspective, we used to trap in school. We would take our vacation, well, not vacation. When trapping season opened, our parents would let us take off of school, just go trapping. Because back in the 70s and them days, a muskrat was like eight bucks. Yeah. You, you adjust was, that for inflation, my it's unbelievable. Dad, my yeah. dad, was, Ten work, times my dad was working in the paper mill making $2 an hour at that same time. So we'd go out in a week and catch 100, 150 muskrats. Holy. We'd have our money for the whole year in that yeah. week. So, I mean, and plus we were catching coon for 30 bucks a piece. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fur market was high in comparison. There was guys buying brand new pickups every year on their trapping just, money. Just yeah. a week or two of muskrats. So, okay, then, then you got a big crash in the market for many years. So now, now we're fast forward to 2010. Mm-hmm. 2009, I think it went That's out. what the trapper Stu Miller calls his generation's fur boom mm-hmm. to separate it from the mm-hmm. late 70s, early 80s. We hit two of them. Hopefully yeah, we had a hit third two one. two of them, yeah. So we got out in the Dakotas. We found out about these rats and this population boom. And I went out there in two weeks and I caught 2,000 muskrats <laughs> by, by myself. myself. <laughs> I just about <laughs> killed me. <laughs> Just about killed me. <laughs> was it just all like, were you just uh, running like just wired up leg holds on feed beds or what? In no, well, different, 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 different style. If spring, see, everything was flooded. I mean, there was, I was catching muskrats that had burrowed under the blacktop. The roads were given in. He was driving down roads for like a mile. You're driving through water for a mile. The roads are closed, but the town guys are like, kill the muskrats, kill the kill muskrats, because they're undermining the roads. They're like bank, bank dens under yes. the roads and yes. stuff. So yeah. you were trapping. I set a trap for me to you off the road and hundreds of them down, right down the ditch for miles and miles in the population. I never saw nothing like it. It was like an infestation. We talked to two kids when we were out there that went <clears throat> to a movie one night. They came out of the movie theater. This is in a little town we were trapping by. With golf clubs, the two of them killed 100 muskrats on Main Street. <laughs> okay, so now here, <laughs> on, to- on top of this, the market peaked, peaked right then. It was, it was. <laughs> 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 and we didn't know it because we sent our first auction the first time I was out when I had that first 2000. <clears throat> and you mean, put them all up. Yep. Well, I actually, I ended up selling some in the carcass because I could not keep up skinning. I, I never, never come home with 200 muskrats in a day in my life, you know, yep. it, it, unbelievable. So, so what I did bring home, I put up, we sent them off to auction and we thought, well, we're going to get, you know, maybe five bucks, maybe six bucks. They went to 10. It was like, <laughs> And then after wow. that, they went to, I got 14, 15, yeah, well, 16. Yeah. A piece. When you're catching hundreds or thousands, it adds up fast. It was real money. And it was fun. So then he found out, boy, he said, I'm going with you next. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. We went out that next fall. And then we, we went geared out. up big time. We and spent how up. much time at it? Well, I'll tell you what, before I went out the first time, I probably spent $3,000 scouting, hotels, mileage, driving, finding the spots. Getting permission. Permission, knocking on doors. Get I mean, there was a lot of research that didn't just show up, you know, but. Because legally there, you got to get permission. Yeah. So, we had, and you have to have written permission because we got stopped by a couple of wardens and you have to have your paperwork. And we had our paperwork, but they were like, we don't care. Kill them all. We did all that for nothing, you know, but, but we were all legal beagled and, you know, we had a guy who stayed on his farm, you know, like 
yeah, it's camp out, stay in the barn, there's a heated quantity, you can skin how, inside. This is how good it was. We stayed at a guy's yeah. place. He let us, let us, well, we, first guy we stopped at, he says, yeah, he says, we've got marshes all around here you can trap. You can stay right at my place. He said, we, we have duck hunters come and stay. And he said, you could use my shed for working. And we said, well, how much land do you have? He goes, oh, seven, maybe eight. I said, what, 100 acres? He said, no, sections. sections. That's a small, <laughs> that's a small farm. That's and a, that's a goes, tiny but farm. But my neighbor down the road, he's got 20. He said, he'll let you trap too. And then my guys down the road the other way, he yeah, said, they so have 30 This guy, sections. this guy, everybody <laughs> knew him. Yeah. And if all we had to do was say his name, <laughs> kill them all, kill them all. You guys had the golden ticket. We did. Oh, yeah. we had the golden ticket. We had the population and the price was there all at one time. And that never happens. No. It, but it did. So then we went back the next spring and for three weeks. And my son had just gotten out of school. He graduated in December, so we went back out there in April, and he skinned for us <laughs> all day, every day. <laughs> all he did was skin. So now, skin a muskrat, you've probably skinned one before. A pile of meal. What time do you think for, to skin one, just huh. to give you a reference? Not fast. I mean, not three minutes, but not not like the people that are fast at it. Yeah. So we weren't fast either until we went out there. You and then learn, we learned how you learn. You to have fast. to learn to survive. Cut down your movements. So I can skin one now in about twenty seconds. Kenny can get it down to about fifteen. Yeah, I think his no, son no. Jed got it down. Not anymore. Like twelve seconds. Oh no, yeah. Really? It's, oh, it's incredible. Are you guys doing that crazy over the knee shit? You're not doing it where you're hanging it by the tail. Don't no, hang I it. do mine so on my lap now. Yeah, yeah. On my lap. Chester was showing me about it's, that. It's it's so fast. It's it's basically it's, like taking a sock off. It's fast. Yeah. I mean, I don't have that speed. You got to get repetition. I can remember because your hands would get so gnarled up from setting traps all day. You so, couldn't you couldn't squeeze the water out of a wet. So his sock, son you know? was the his son was the. I'm skinner. not kidding you. <laughs> so it took 20 rats because we would have to skin in the morning to get ahead because we knew we were going to come home with a couple hundred more every day. So it's like we got to finish up rest, you know. It took me 20, 20 every morning, to, my hands would limber up so I could actually make time. But generally, like at the end of the day, we'd sit down and we'd go, oh, there's a hundred left. We'd go, well, I ain't nothing. Let's get them done. That's for three guys. That's like 30 minutes. It's done. Yeah. But his son skinned for us because we were catching 350, 360, 380 a day. Oh, man. And so he would that skin. Was, <laughs> that was a Well, insane. that's what I'm saying. Like when I said I skinned a pile of them, I've, I've skinned a pile of them, but it, meaning I've skinned like a few days worth of you guys' catch. Well, there's all the guys doing this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we, were, there, we weren't the only ones, but I'll tell you what, with that area we were in, they were all from Wisconsin. Wisconsin trapper, for some reason, knew how to compete. Kind of like when we go to South Dakota and deer hunting, we see Wisconsin plates everywhere. Yeah, I don't, <laughs> I don't know why people from Wisconsin have these certain weird, stupid skills, or I don't know if they're skills or desires, or I don't, training, I don't know Lifestyle. why that is. But they're good rat trappers. Well, we thought we were good until we went out there, we, Yeah, but we, now we're good. We're pretty good, no. I mean, we <laughs> developed, I mean, really quick. Well, really we, quick. We The rules are a lot more lax there, too, as far as what you can and can't yeah, do. Yeah, like in Wisconsin, everything that works really good is illegal. illegal. Oh, mm -hmm. there it was legal. It's like, oh, my God. Like colony traps. Like, we're in heaven, man. Like a colony traps. Like you can do that traps. here? I mean, it's like, wow. Like in Wisconsin, you colony trap, you can set it somewhere where it's in a run, but it can't be touching another colony trap. They have to be so many feet apart. It can only be in a certain area, whereas in, in the Dakotas. And you can't move any we, vegetation? We would, we would fill the culverts with colony with traps. Colony so traps. Yep. The rats would come through, and every morning you'd check, you'd have 20. 
25 every day. And if you had to walk for like, for me to you off the road, you just pull them out and you shake them, them out in a pile. It's just like, well, look at 14, And they'd be stacked 15, up in there so 20. tight, not another muskrat could get There'd in the trap. There'd be like five, six, seven in each trap. You know how you'd set a 110 conifer? Oh, you got one. No, no. It was, it was a mind blowing. It was just mind blowing. And the huh. people up there just hated them. Hated them because they're everywhere. And this is all that time when like people's half their silo was underwater and shit. Yes. Like, yes. Crazy. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. We trapped some farms. We trapped there. a lot of farms that were underwater. Just abandoned. Yeah, it was, it was a rush. It was uh, something. It was something. So what keeps you guys going now on trapping since this, there is no fur market? Well, really we're, beaver. Trapping, we're, we're trapping beaver. Some. I live in a pretty good spot for beaver. I mean, Oh, right. And we... Have heard that beaver now is coming back up because a little of the, bit. Yellowstone. Had, Yellowstone's a big part of it. Yeah. I had two fur buyers call me this week. I was at the airport in Denver yesterday. When that fur buyer calls you, that's something. Something's hungry. up. Something's up. Yeah. He says, "I think we can make some talking." He says, <laughs> he, says <laughs> "He says we're going to be talking." Yeah. I said, "You realize for, ha- for the hatter?" He trade. says, "He right. says I know you guys caught over five hundred last spring." I said, "Yeah, we did." Um, I said, there's no guarantee we're going to do that again, depending on weather and, you know, flood stage and freeze outs and there's 10 things that can go wrong. I said, well, we're going to try like hell to match that. We'll and, see. In, and in past years, we did okay. We're not getting we, any we younger. Made the, we made the money on caster in the past years. The yeah. caster's where the money was. Per but, beaver, we were getting six to eight bucks per beaver for caster. The beaver, the caster's- But that went, market went down a little bit, right? A little bit. A little, little bit, bit, but yeah. now all the fur's coming up. So it's probably going to be a, a wash, I think. We don't know- we haven't been promised any numbers yet, but we got to kill them first. Yeah. And the thing is, is a lot of places we trap, I mean, they're flooding roads, whether it's, you know, public land, private land. We've had people come to us and say, hey, you know, can't get, can't get through my driveway because it's flooded from beaver. And they're a cool animal and everything, but it gets to a point where you got to thin them out a little. When the market is low, which it's been for quite a while, the population explodes. Yeah, that's been great for beavers. I mean, the yes. animals themselves, oh, yeah. the low market yeah. has been phenomenal. Oh, yeah. They're but all your problem beaver, they're generally flooding out any kind of public road, they get killed. The yeah. government kills them. Yeah, you're, you're, you're paying for it. Your federal tax dollars paying for it. They got trappers out there year-round killing mm-hmm. them beaver. We do it for free. What's your t-shirt say? This one? I got this for Christmas. What's it say? That's good. Never underestimate an old man with a chainsaw. <laughs> I got that for Christmas. It's nice. Yeah, I got a beaver whisperer one too, but I couldn't decide which one to wear. <laughs> <laughs> My wife got me the beaver whisperer one. Uh, are you guys sticking around for the trivia show? Well, yeah, yeah, sure. Dude, um, I love your channel, man. Oh, thanks, thanks. It's fun. It's been a real wild ride. I when I first got into it, I thought, you know, if I can make an extra five hundred thousand bucks a month. That was my goal. And I know people that were doing You're that. You're saying $500,000 to $1,000. Yeah. Because it's not like you said $500,000. Well, I did. No, just for doing some videos is something I like to do. I thought, yeah, I'm doing it anyway. Might as well. So I started recording it and now it's turned into basically another job. But it's fun and I like it and it's just growing. But, so, yeah, cool. the trapping of firewood is stuff we've done our whole life. So it's yeah. no, not a big deal. I always I say mean, to everybody, whatever your passion is, Whatever you're really good at, whatever you're talented at, start a YouTube channel. But put everything you got into it. <laughs> you it. always hey. say that to everybody. He People does. That, yeah, you hear this, Carmen? There was a girl. <laughs> yeah. there, was, there was a girl on the plane yesterday. Girl on the plane. She looked me up. She's this is incredible. She's a baker. She's a baker. She's, she's here. here. She's here. She, she lives here. She lives here. Yeah. I told her. I said, start a channel. I said, you do. She does breads, stuff like that. I said, start oh, a channel. I do have a loaf of bread 
in my duffel bag. My wife sent for you. She's been making the really? sourdough. Yeah. Oh, no shit. Oh. I got red flagged Did by the TSA. Did she get into it because of COVID? <laughs> I don't know no. why, but she's been doing the sourdough stuff. That's great, man. So, so they she, call it an organic mass when they pulled you over? Well, no, she, and, and it, thought it, was, it came through the scanner. They was just, what do you got in there? I said, it's bread. <laughs> Yeah, because I got. I one time had them say that there's an organic mass in your bag. What was, was like, it? Is that right? What was it? It was an elk tongue. Oh, there you well, go. Yeah, I had they can a, just tell when they zap it that they can tell that. It's like I said, you got well, something. I said them are the raisins in the raisin bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not kidding. You could see the raisins on the screen there. <laughs> I told my wife. I said I got pulled over by the TSA because that loaf of freaking bread. <laughs> Oh, you're going to give it to me? Yeah. yeah. She made it for you. We got that's something great, else for you, man. too. Here. I got something really? else here, too. Yeah, we got a couple let's, let's, let's dig in. She said, that's no way. I said, yeah. I said, TSA got me at the airport over your bread. You know, I'm getting a, um, tonight, I'm taking <clears throat> possession of a, of a sable hat that I had made for my wife. Nice. Because well. wh- who sewed it is Yanni's friend, um, Yanni's friend, Sumai Justice. Oh, Sumai. So, so is that how it says? Sumai? Yeah. Okay. So we've got two of them, whichever one fits you better. And I know you got one, but well, yeah. Oops, yeah. sorry. I know you this got my one. bread. That's your bread. You you can give it to whoever well, you want. We got, we got two different sizes. That's so a Wisconsin beaver, the darker on, variety, oh, heavy yeah, duty. That's not well, like, that's and, not that janky Montana stuff. <laughs> that, that's a that's a different style than Steve wow. has. Yeah. You that you can only shit, wear it if it's man. forty below because you will be sweating. You'll die in this. Oh, it's they're so warm. Oh, that's a thing. What do you guys call that? That style is so different. Than, that's right. so yeah. different than, one, than the beavers. That's called a trooper. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Feel the fur on that compared to out here. Well, I don't. I'm yeah. not well, know you'll know oh, when you touch thicker, it. Our yeah. region yeah. It has does produce. We got some the of the best beaver in the world where yeah. we live. Where I live. That's nice stuff. Incredible, man. That's nice. Boy, that black like that? That's not even black. That's, 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 just, just, dark, that's just dark. We black. get them black. Hey, we do get blacks. Yeah. Well, that's beautiful, man. That's yeah. So yeah that's, you need them for snowmobiling. Yeah, that's what I've been using oh, mine for. Yeah, yeah. It's great. It's the world's greatest yeah. snowmobile hat. Oh, ice fishing hat. Everybody should have yeah. one. It's like a helmet, too. And we do you, ever, you ever watch the oh. Fur Hat Ice Fishing oh. Tour? Yes, I oh. have. I saw a couple of them. I saw where Steve went over. Damn. <laughs> you look like that. Dude, that is like, put you, that on, man. That is a warm. <laughs> there's <laughs> nothing There's nothing, nothing warmer. warmer than that. Nothing. Well, have Carmen try it on because she needs one for her snowmobile. This one might be the one for you. No, That's a big this, one. This That's a 24. One. That's a 24. I got kind of a big head. Carmen, try that one. Are we allowed to, is Carmen allowed to take one for a oh, snowmobile? Oh, no, 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 no. Oh, yeah. I don't deserve this. You guys can Oh, that fits perfect. Oh, that's yours. That's adorable. That's yours. That's <laughs> yours. hot. Oh, that's my yours. God, that looks good. That's yours. That's good. That's really I gotta good. I got to get one for my gal. <laughs> so with the flaps down, you know, can you, picture you can't, riding a snowmobile you can't even shit. hear with them on, you know, but. <laughs> and you know what? Your goggles stay don't on there so nice. back. That one's yours. No, 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 no. No, no, no. You got to take that one. Take that one. You got to do it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, it's good. I mean, speaking of not hearing, though, when I put my goggles on, you know, snowmobile is not good for your ears. Right. So it kind of, you know, protects your Oh, yeah. Your my kid's always bit. riding on the back talking about something. I'm like, you have to understand, I have a fur hat on, and then I have my snowmobile goggles strapped mm-hmm. over my ears. I don't know. And this machine is noisy. Mm-hmm. I don't know what you're talking about. And kids you look, don't talk about really You're sort of vaguely that. aware that someone's talking. <laughs> I need to take a picture of that. Yeah, we got to get some Oh, this is great, this. dude. God, that's nice, man. This is, um, we'll do a group photo, and these yeah. two can wear their So, Carmen, hats. when you start ripping around in them brand-new snowmobiles that are coming your way already? There you go. We'll be doing it in style. Yeah. No, I got to tell you that when we do catch a lynx, because I'm going to be positive, we're going to— pelt them out? Yeah. Nope. Just change your mind. <laughs> <laughs> change your mind. <laughs> yeah, I need a coat, so 
Uh, no, you're standing there in the freezing cold for a long time. You start getting really cold, so this will be perfect for and, and your I head. Like you do the little dealie up front. Oh, the, the little like the panel. Well, the guy that makes them for me, that's the style he makes. I mean, they make many different. But these two are different, aren't they? Different, different style. Different, same nah, hat. Same, same style. Different size. That's, All a, that's a 23 good. and that's a 24. You know what I'm getting made right now is I'm getting a, I sent in some muskrats right now mm. to Don Clifford and he's doing me a muskrat, one of these with yep. a leather bill. Oh. Because you know when the sun's just killing yeah, you. you can get those too. I mean, yeah. these are just the ones that I've always gotten. Everybody in my family's got them. All my Kids oh. got them. All my kids. He makes spouses. He makes mitts too. Yeah, yeah. I didn't bring the mitts, but wow. you put plucked and sheared on the inside. Uh, well, them aren't plucked and sheared. Them. That's just no on, on the mittens. You put like a plucked and sheared no, on the inside. No, it's just it's just a felt. Was that just felt? Oh, felt on the inside. You guys all got this. all your fingers. <laughs> oh yeah, that's, so that's good. How many times have we been caught in a trap? All of them. No, no, I mean. <laughs> many. Uh, I thought, man, I don't know if you ever lost a finger on your wood splitter or something. No, not no. yet. I've seen no. guys that have. No. Yeah, I know a pe- couple people lost tips, yeah. Dude, Just that hat looks so good on you, man. Yeah. yeah. Carmen looked great. I but like legit, you you'd wear it riding your snowmobile, right? <laughs> Say what? She can't hear you. You'd wear it riding your snowmobile, though. Oh, this is going to be what I wear for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> looks great on you. This is incredible. Yeah, you look like, yeah, a, you look yeah. like a... The like only your... bad thing about a fur hat is it's unfortunate it came from an animal. I mean, it'd be nice, but there's nothing that. like a real fur. There just isn't. No. The good thing is they make them every day. There's more beaver being made right no, now. No, no, it takes me no, a long time to get them made. I got to tell you a quick story. I actually wrote about this one time, but... I had a, my first muskrat hat I had made. Yeah. I was still growing. And so it was just like every year it got tighter and tighter and tighter. Dude. <laughs> and it would like give me headaches, man. And at one point in time, at one point in time I lose, because I'm always taking it off because it's not comfortable. I lose my fur hat. I can show you the exact spot. I lost my fur hat right where I caught my first otter. Not the same day. I'm going, I lose my fur hat and it's just gone. I have no idea what happened to it. One day I'm going down the road with my friend Ed Barefoot. We're driving along in his station wagon, going out to a place called Cisco Bayou. And I see melting out of the snowbank a roadkill muskrat. I'm not shitting you. <laughs> I see a roadkill muskrat melting out of the snowbank. Mm-hmm. And I tell him to stop. Was it your hat? It's my hat. Because oh, <laughs> there was a spot where I used to jump nice. out because there was a creek crossing right there. And I just thought, oh, a muskrat got hit by a car. I'm like, hey, stop. I go over there, pull it out of the bank. It's my damn hat. Yeah. And then I, lo- I don't know where it's at. Didn't I lost fit it anymore, again. anyways, right? So to to put a bow on the trapping thing, <laughs> um, right now it's be- the beaver is going up in price because of Yellowstone, the show, and because some singers, Beyonce, just did a bunch of videos, I guess, wearing the Stetson hat. And the Stetson hats are made, are made of, with the the under fur, the felt, of the felt part from the beaver. That's yeah, what they're made out of. This was so maddening, man. Like you can wear leather and everybody's cool with it, right? Because right. the fur is gone, and they like steak. And then now you can wear a beaver. Like if you have a Stetson hat, take a look on the inside of that son of a bitch and it'll say something like 10X or whatever. That is made from a beaver's fur. Yep. 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 You're supporting trapping. Hypocrite there bastards, you go. Thank you. Yeah, that's Thank all right. You. As long Thank as you. we're making some money off of it, I don't yeah. care. <laughs> you know, we don't get paid very much for trapping beaver. It's a pretty low uh, income deal. These, but it's it's like getting going hunting and getting paid when you get homers. You know what it costs to go on a hunting trip? Yeah. Well, at the end of our trip, we made money on it. Right. Yeah. We didn't make a lot, but we made some, and we had a hell of a time doing it. Yeah. Dude, the quality of this 
Yeah. Compared to the ones we have around here, skanky ones, which are blonde, and, <laughs> yeah, blonde and skanky, the quality of this is unbelievable. I only keep, I can't stop touching it. I only <laughs> keep, Everybody so likes soft. to pet beaver, right? You know, <laughs> this is the, yeah, it's great, man. So yeah, I only keep the very best for the hats. Yeah. I sell the rest. I mean, I don't not all of them. I mean, I only do like twenty a year. I don't do a lot. Do you well, sew? No, my you wife. My wife has a machine now. We're trying to figure it out. I'm hoping she can learn how. Right now, we're having them made. Yeah. But the slow part is getting them to the tannery and getting the fur back from the tannery. Sometimes it's six to eight months, and then sending the hat maker. And it might be another six to eight months. So it's not like order they're today. All, they're all custom and then, sized. And then does it fit you? You know, we got to carry three, four, five sizes. Yep. I might have it five. We're hats. gonna, we're gonna get into the we're gonna get into the fur hat mitten biz, man. There you go. Because it's, it's so great. It is. It's awesome. So Little yeah, resource. I figure you might like it. Yeah, that's a nice design, man. Do I look good in this thing? Yeah, yeah. you do. Yeah. You look like you're like going down like a like a fashion <laughs> runway. Yeah, with she does. Man. <laughs> I don't I've that. never seen that hat on anybody that doesn't look good. I'm not kidding you. The thing that's cool about it is I, I've had three or four different ones that I've sold because people just, I gotta have it. What do you gotta have? I know mm -hmm. I can always get out. Okay, here's what they cost. Yeah, there yeah. you go. I'm just reading your lips because I got my hat on. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice. It's muffling. I gave my hat away. I need another hat. Guess who he calls? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll get that splitter up to you. Yeah. 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 Where's that processor? There you go. Nothing. All right, guys. We're going to wrap it up. How are we doing on time? Oh, we're good. Right. Yeah, we can hopefully wolf down some lunch. Appreciate you coming on, man. You guys are going to stay awesome. for the trivia show? Oh, yeah. You know what? Me I don't too. think that you're going to win. I can't. Probably not. Because Depends. here's the deal. He's going to throw you one bone. Mm -hmm. If he knows. Does he know that mm -hmm. they're here? Yep. He's going to throw you one bone. I think I'm going to beat you. Probably. I played along <laughs> on one of them. I watched and I got five right. So. Oh, you played along on one, did five? I did five. You'll, five you'll, you know what? You'll beat the shit out of Corinne. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I got the one Basically, was everyone the... beats the shit out of me. <laughs> I got the one where you had the red snapper. I got that one. I got what that else one. Because um, he asked me that and I knew it. And the one that was uh, what the author, what was his name? Hemingway. Hemingway. The son was a warden or something. Yep. I got that. Goes a good guess. Uh, yeah, I think I got five on that one. Good. Just so I know, I just want to know how it works. I had a guy that plays at home, the blue collar scholar. He reached out to me about a problem he's having where he's like, he had to admit, because he plays at home and sends me these great scores, okay, of his home score sheet. We fly him into play and he bombs. Oh, he got he, nerves. Well, he told me, he goes, well, there's one thing I, I, he was texting me, there's one thing I didn't mention is I pause. Oh, well. He hits oh, pause. And he's researching. Think. Nope, to oh, think. Thinks oh. about it for a while. Because it's a high-stress right. environment. Right. Because you're being heckled. Right. Right? You're, like, trying to make sure no one gives a hint, <laughs> and it's high stress. No. He can hit pause and just contemplate. Oh, well, there, that's cheating. Mm -hmm. In the and game. I have to deal with a lot of stress. Oh, and he could come back <laughs> two hours later. He could think right. about the question for two hours right. if he wanted to. Yeah. There's no time limit. Oh, okay. After a recent game, we had a real problem with how a question was worded. I did, and, and the winner that day, Randall, had a problem with how a question was worded. And so he and I later texted back and forth about how we felt the question should have been worded. And we sent the rewording to the host, Spencer Newhart. And then Randall made a joke that he says, I like to reword the questions until I get to a point where I feel as though I would have guessed it. <laughs> and that's what he had done is just reworded it until he felt like he would have gotten it. 
So even that, like the syntax, the wording can impact the performance. Very stressful. Steve, I got to say, Brody's surpassing you in who can be the biggest grump complainer in the room. So I don't know if you want to reclaim your crown. Brody is grumpy. Do you know what I mean? Sure. Yeah. Like I get grumpy playing trivia, but Brody is grumpy. And you got a one point lead (laughs) on him, I see. Yeah, no. That's victories. And that Corinne isn't Corinne. That's Hayden. Hayden Samick is with now three. Grim. He had to steal Crin's little area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There you go. Thanks for joining, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Good concluder. This show is sponsored in part by BetterHelp. It is a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that they need and that meets them where they are and helps them get through challenges. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible. It's simple to use. You can connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Hey, we're going to take a little break here and talk about interstate batteries. Now, if you're like me, enjoying the great outdoors, you need gear that is as reliable as it gets. That's why I power my adventures with interstate batteries. I use interstate batteries in my boats. I use interstate batteries in my camper. Great for your truck, too. From Alaska to Montana. They're outrageously dependable. Battery is essential. With over 150,000 dealer locations, finding one is easy. For all your vehicles, land or sea, choose Interstate. Head to interstatebatteries.com and find your power today.